Mike Murphy, uh-huh. Fred Huber, and Fred. Murph and Fred, back together again on ESPN uh-huh. 1000. Oh, what a great day to be in Chicago. This is, Fred, this is everyone's kind of weather. Yeah, but I have this a is mine, I'll tell you that. It's really yours. Yeah, this is my kind of weather. Yeah. 70s. It's a tad too sunny for me, but I'll deal with that. Nice you know. humidity. Great day. Enjoy yeah. yourselves. Hey, we're glad you're with us every Saturday nine until noon. I'm Mike Murphy. He's Fred Humor. Busy day. What are we going to cover today? We're going to cover everything. We'll throw in a little World Cup. Plenty of Bulls talk percolating. Uh, last night, everything started developing. We'll talk about... Uh, Zach Levine. Uh, we're going to uh, have a few minutes of the old what if segment. We'll talk about uh, the wind. We sort of tickled us last week, Fred. The yes, wind blows we did. out, the wind blows in, and everybody loves it when the wind blows out. And they all say the same thing. Oh, that um, wouldn't have been a home run without the wind blowing out. Right. And then we said, yeah, but you never hear it the other way. Like when the wind's blowing in, uh, well, we were wrong. We did yesterday (laughs) about four times during that game. Exactly If not more, yeah. Two uh, balls would have been homers for the Reds. Two balls would have been homers for the Cubs. We'll break that down. Also today, should the Bulls tank again and will the Bulls tank again? Nick Friedel joins us later today. He's going to phone in from... Las Vegas at the NBA Summer League. Right there at the craps table, he'll be. <laughs> probably, he's there all night. Yeah. Didn't have, didn't have to worry about an early call because it's, you know, he never went to bed. We'll right. talk with Nick Exactly. Fidel. He said phone in maybe around 11 o'clock Chicago time. Plenty of bulls. Jesse Rogers, our Cubs guy, in about one hour will join us. Let's see, what else are we going to cover? Oh, we might venture into Murph's library. Going to have a little uh, Javi Baez, Jackie Robinson uh, uh, segment. How about this one? We have a Chris Bryant scary stat. Okay. And it's not even Halloween. How about Tiger versus Phil? I don't know. Should we devote a few minutes to that between now and uh, noon, fellas? I guess we can. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> Anything that's going to be uh, possibly on network TV uh, prime time, yeah, it's well worth it. Three three two three seven seven six. If you want to vote to our Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll, you can do it live on the radio. Three three two three seven seven six, or you can vote at ESPN one thousand. Let's take a look at our uh, Twitter poll here. EO11 with a little uh, music there. Love it, Eric. Thank you. EO11 back with us today. Last week, missed you, Eric, but we won't miss you today as long as you don't do anything crazy. Well, we missed you. Eric, give me a little EO11 there just to warm me up for the day. Would you there, my friend? Eric Ostrowski. All right. Usually we have one Twitter poll each half hour. We're going to shoehorn in more than the norm today because there's so much going on. Twitter poll right now, number one, multiple choice, A or B. Theo and the Cubs, A, will see the World Series again. (laughs) Theo and the Cubs, B, one time only, like the 85 Bears. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. And here's our second. We're going to augment the Twitter poll with a bonus question right now. John Paxson gives Zach Levine $78 million, A, B, or C. A, Pax overpaid. B, Pax was smart and planned this out from the beginning of the Butler trade. He knew it was coming. Or C, 
Hey, Pax had no choice. It was backed into the corner. Okay. Three three two three seven seven six, or vote at ESPN one thousand. So quick look at baseball last night, Houston. But at Houston can hit. You know, everyone says you can't hit your way through in the playoffs. But they can hit. Well, they got pitching, yeah, too. They do. Tremendous uh, pitching. Just think about it. Lance McCullers is like their four. 12 Ks last yeah. night. No walks. He throws more curveballs, I think I heard the stat during the game, than anybody this year, maybe in the last few years in baseball. Yeah. 11 to 4. Uh, Sox were really never in it. Lopez. Uh, starting pitcher of the future, Bill Melton, after the game, Fred, he said point blank. He said, well, you know, Lopez, uh, he's got to develop a third pitch. He's got uh, the, the two, he's got the fastball. He's got a, a changeup. He says he needs something. He needs a slider curveball. Uh, otherwise, he might be, you know, uh, nothing wrong with being a solid bullpen Surprising guy. to me that he's only a two-pitch pitcher. I've never looked at it that closely, but uh, I yeah. trust Melton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the uh, uh, White Sox uh, lose 11-4. to Cubs uh, break their winning streak. They lose to the Reds 3-2. to Those damn Reds. How about the They've Cubs? lost five in a row to the Reds now. <laughs> oh, that was everything last night. Every fan's going, how can you lose to the Reds? Yeah. Well, you know what? Baseball, you lose to people. Yeah. Just, you know, that's what happens. But here was interesting. The Cubs, what were they on? A six-game winning six streak? Six-game, and they come from behind in all six games. In more, yes, Ed, that is uh, amazing enough. More than that, I thought I heard Len Casper say they were trailing by three runs or more in, a, in all six of those come-from-behind huh. wins. I have to go back and look, but that's, yeah. Yeah, that's a possibility. So, uh, I trust and, Lenny. And uh, yesterday they were trailing three to nothing also, and then they uh, pecked away for one, got another one, had some uh, chances, uh, but... Uh, they were nine overmatched. Men, they were 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. 0 for 9. nine or I'm sorry, 0 for 7 with 9 men left on base. That's no good. No. No. You can't do that. Let me tell you, though, there were some good things about that Cubs game yesterday. The wind blowing in, and even though they lost, they continued to go to the opposite field, uh-huh. which is what propelled them on their six-game winning streak. Sure is. I, I do a new thing when I keep, keep my little box score. I put a little black dot, Fred, when the right-handed hitter goes to the right side or center. Right. Doesn't try to pull it. And uh, left field for the, uh, you know, oppo for the left-handed hitter. 18 balls were hit oppo okay. by the Cubs yesterday. Now, they had 39 plate appearances, but five of those were strikeouts. You know, no outcome or whatever right. the new word is. Uh, three walks and one catcher's interference. So to boil it down, the Cubs had 30 balls in play. They hit 30 balls in play, and 18 of them, uh, a whopping uh, 60%, were the other direction. That's pretty good. Which is the way you do it, especially when the wind's blowing in, and it's going to be a low-scoring game. So they did a lot of things right yesterday. The wind blowing in, now, it was blowing in, uh, what do I have it here, was 18 miles an hour. Almost due in from the, you know, out of the north. Right. Or as they say, uh, meteorologically, it was from the north or out of the north. 18 miles an hour. So the top of the first, we'll have a scooter, uh, Jeanette, cut one ready in a minute there, EO 11. So uh, leadoff hitter for the Reds, Peraza gets an infield hit. Now, scooter, scooter Jeanette, left-handed hitter who uh, is either on uh, something we don't know about or he's just bulked up or he's uppercutting and lifting. But he hits the ball that probably would have been uh, about 
10, 15, 20 rows up the left field bleachers, any of the uh, last few home games? Well, at Great American Ballpark, it'd be way out. So yesterday, the wind's blowing in. And we did a whole segment last week, Fred, about, you know, well, when the wind's blowing out, should we say, well, that pop-up to left field. Remember Russell's Grand Slam last Friday was a pop-up to left field. Lovely Dana says, you can't pop up and have a fly out or a home run. Well, okay. (laughs) You're the boss. Yeah. But we also mentioned, hey, when the wind's blowing in, like in uh, April or or May, and someone hits the bejesus out of the ball, and instead of going into the bleachers because the wind's coming in out of Canada about 25 miles an hour and it's freezing, you don't hear, well, that would have been a home run in June or July. So we said, is it right then to turn it around to those days, you know, uh, when the wind's blowing out? Do you say the wind wind blown homer? Well, yeah, I yeah. mean, but do you say the wind deprived four guys yesterday all started in the first inning? Scooter, Jeanette, looks like it's going to be two to nothing. Driven deep to left. Will it stay in? Yep. And again, that's a that's a home run a couple days ago, but uh-huh. not today. There it is. It's the first out of the ball game. It's just to hang with them today. Uh, the other day, that's ten rows up into the bleachers. <laughs> you see Jeanette shaking, shaking his head, head, saying, I can't hit it much better than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they said it, and I have no problem with that. It would have been a no, home run uh, all week long. And, you know, the uh, long balls by you guys like Russell, the Grand Slam, uh, would not. Some concerning uh, uh, things with the Cubs. Chris Bryant and Fred, I know you had some of those uh, quotes we were talking about in the pre-show Love Fest. But Chris Bryant was sort of expected. I don't know if that's the right word. Some were anticipating he might return yesterday. Some were anticipating he'd return Monday. But that's all off. Last Monday. That's all off. Uh, they're saying what uh, he he may have this little uh, whatever it is in the left shoulder still there, right? Yeah, Madden acknowledged that Bryant might have to tolerate some level of discomfort when he eventually returns. Now the question is, when is that? And I'm not saying that Chris Bryant doesn't play through pain because I think he actually had this problem for a month mm-hmm. and didn't complain about sure, it. Sure, and then finally said, you know what, this is too much. I'm not. This is ruining a lot of things, and I'm not helping you guys, so we'll sit out. But um, apparently, he's had okay batting practices, but it's still bothering him. So three, we'll three, talk two, more with Jesse about that. Seven, seven, six. Now, here's a scary stat. And the tip of the hat to Mark Gonzalez uh, put some of this together in his Tribune uh, stories. Uh, here's Mark Gonzalez reminding us uh, last season, Bryant missed only one game after injuring his... Uh, Pinky, or as I would uh, edit it, uh, Little Finger. Little Finger. But we've uh-huh. taken polls, Fred, and only 9% of everyone says Little Finger. It's uh, 91% Pinky. Yeah, but if you go by uh, medical <laughs> and if you go by, um, you know, when when something happens, yeah. what's it called? The Workman's Comp? Right. Uh, they're called Index Finger, Middle Finger, Ring Finger, and Little Finger. The Little Tarsal? Yeah, it's tarpal. not called. Oh, okay. you know, for Workman's Comp doesn't <laughs> say you hurt your pinky. The worst, even worse, is Pinky Toe. Yes, it is. <laughs> but what do we know? Uh, last season, Bryant missed only one game after injuring his little finger on a head first slide July 19th. As in the first, I think, wasn't it? He uh, July 19th last year, sliding into first. Correct. You're exactly right. He raised his batting average after that by 20 points, but hit only 10 home runs after the injury. Now, you don't hear much about what caused this shoulder, 
but it was uh, added in a few stories uh, over the last week or two. It was another head first slide. slide. Might have been to the third base, but it's irrelevant. But that's what dinged up the shoulder. Uh-huh. Uh, most of the insiders have reported, right? right. So, head first slide, little finger, last year, July 19th, 10 homers the rest of the way. All right. Now, he hurt the left shoulder sometime earlier this year, sliding head first. He had 10 homers last year after July 19th. Now, we're almost at July 19th now, yep. considering the All-Star break's coming up. Uh-huh. He probably, let's be honest, I don't think he's going to play before the All-Star break. If they didn't activate him yesterday... You wouldn't think they'd activate why would him you, on their own. You know, maybe but... it'll get better, yeah. since it's not, uh, there's nothing they can do. That's when they say it's not going to get any better. He does like San Diego, though. plays a college ball there. So. Yeah, that's true. But here's the scary stat. Give or take... Over the last year, July 19th, July 19th coming up. Last calendar year. He's, he'll have had 19 homers. Uh-huh. Because of two head-first slides. Yep. Now, here's a guy that you would expect to be a 35 home run guy, maybe more, right? right. 35 right. to 40 is what you would all hope for, expect. That's what you project. Think. That's what you would project at the beginning of the season for right. Chris Bryant. Yeah. So now it's a 19 home run, six month calendar season because of two head first slides. Yeah. Now he wasn't hitting a lot of home runs early this year either, though no. he was. I mean, he was on a pace that you know a normal guy you know getting maybe three four a month, right? Five a month times six. That's 30 homers a year. Point is, when does he stop sliding head first ever? It's a good question. I think the only guy that should slide head first is Javi. Until he hurts his shoulder. Now stop yourself. I mean, really. Steal a Doug Buffon line. Really. Stop I mean, yourself. The, and the funny thing is that he slid home uh, head first in a home, which most people will definitely say that's not a good thing because, you know, there's more, you know, you get the you catch your shin guards and the mask uh-huh. and everything else. You can really hurt yourself sliding uh, head first, but... That's okay. Javi wasn't getting near the plate, just his fingers were. Now, everything you say is correct. I haven't had a chance, though. I eavesdropped on you. You had a, a lot of great uh, uh, shows this week for some of the guys that had the uh, you know Fourth of July uh, uh, week, uh, right. I, some days off. I didn't get to uh, hear you. I don't think on your thoughts, but I already know what your thoughts are on Javi stealing, quote unquote. What? Well, we, we I, I feel the same way that, that Jim Deshays felt. Well, we have a little bit of nomenclature here. There's a thing called a straight steal of right. home, yeah. which is very, very rare. Uh-huh. Jackie Robinson used to do it, where you actually just bolt from third and beat right. the pitch to the catcher. Yes, you do. Uh, it, it's very rare. It's still technically a steal of home if there's a throw down to second, and then you know the old first and third right. little league play, or this design play where, in this case, Russell, the man on first, leads off so much it entices the the pitcher, usually a lefty who can't look behind him, to throw to first. It's all pre-orchestrated. Uh, Still a steal of home. Right. No way. That's what it's called. No, right. no other way to cut it. Uh-huh. But with nobody out, down two to one, uh, what was it, like middle of the game, I was thinking, Fred's not going to like this. Now, had he been out, yeah. nobody would have liked it. Yeah, Joe said he would, you know, it would, wouldn't have been a problem. Uh, Jesse said that he actually asked Joe about it. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, Javi's basically out there on his own. Um, 
they're allowing him to do these things. And Jim Deshays brought it up immediately. He right. said, probably not the smartest move by Javi going home, but um, it worked. But you see, if, correct. If you're a little different uh, type of cat, a little different cut from everybody else. Now, remember when early in the season, uh, Fred and I know uh, we pushed back there each other for a few minutes when he went through a third base coach's sign, yep. looked over his shoulder, pretty much ignored the coach, went all the way home, bang, bang, was safe. And, you know, technically right. And by, you know, the a baseball protocol, yeah. you follow the third base coach. And I know, you know, you and everyone else pretty much, but, you know, you don't run through the coach. You watch his signals. And I did uh, broach. Maybe this is the one guy out of 100 that the rules are different. The rules are great as long as he gets as long as he's safe. If he does these things a couple times and he gets he's out and these are big games in October, people will change their mind. But what if he's safe eight out of 10? Then he's keep going. (laughs) But like I said, if if those two times you're out. Uh, prevent you from, you know, make you play a wild card game instead of a first place, right. you know, buy or whatever. Okay. Then, uh, yeah, then people might be a little upset, but it's all working out well for Javi. Mm-hmm. So, Javi, we'll find out. Um, it, it, Major League Baseball, another reason to uh, question and not like him if, you, if you're up to it. They were good enough to announce um, Wednesday right. that Javi had passed Scooter Jeanette and was chasing down Ozzy Albies for the starting position in the All-Star game in second base. They also mentioned that Wilson Contreras had passed up Buster Posey. And hurry up because the voting ends on Thursday at uh, 11 o'clock Chicago time. Well, it's Saturday now. Don't you think they know what's happening? Yes, they do. But they want to wait and save it for you. They want to make their own special show, their special announcement. They'll tell you to hurry up and vote because uh, we want you to get more people to see our sponsor. But they won't tell you right afterwards. They well, should have been able to announce yesterday who the All-Star guys are. There's no leaks. How come a guy like the NBA uh, Woj, Woj Hasakowski, how come, you know, because Woj, he knows uh, who's been drafted two, three minutes before the NBA uh, draft is announced on yeah. stage. I know this year he had to do it a little differently. He had to sort of... Uh, uh, with euphemisms. Well, it's, it's highly suspected that mm-hmm. they're going to take so-and-so, even though he already knew, but he couldn't say he flat knew. No one has uh, busted this one out yet, Buster Posey? No, I don't. I guess not. No, huh? baseball is uh, right. baseball's waiting. Hey, let's take a look at the Bulls news. We will have our uh, NBA Bulls guy looking forward to Nick Friedel. He's out in Vegas at the Summer League, going to sleep a little bit. They He'll- start tonight. Bulls start tonight against the Cavs tomorrow night at 10.30. Against the uh, Lakers, then yep. they play on Tuesday. So uh, get to see Wendell Carter Jr. and ESPN Chandler uh, Hutchinson, right? Yep. ESPN two, you can catch mm-hmm. those games. Okay, so the uh, sports world uh, <clears throat> seems very surprised uh, uh, that, that what happened. It's surprised because many of the experts did not expect the Bulls. First, I don't think a lot of them thought there'd be anyone putting the what do you call qualifying offer out, and. Uh, well, one guy specifically. Well, an offer sheet, putting an offer sheet, sheet out I'm there. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you, Fred. And then uh, one guy, uh, Woj, uh, really didn't think it'd be uh, wise for the Bulls uh, to match. But, no, it's uh, the other way around. 
I'm sorry. What? It's the other way around. Bobby Marks didn't think it would make oh, sense for thank us. thank you. Right. Thank Bobby you. Marks from ESPN when he was out with me and he Jeff Miller yesterday. yesterday. He didn't think it would be as smart for them to necessarily match an offer if, in fact, they got one from Sacramento. It had been rumored for a while, and a lot of people said, well, Sacramento doesn't have that kind of money to mm-hmm. make an offer that's... Uh, you know, a big enough offer. Well, that's the, the next question. Why right. did they do it? Yeah. Uh, Why did they do it? And the question was, you know, um, w- would the Bulls uh, match? And mm-hmm. for the whole last week, there have been people saying, well, the Bulls have to match because they got uh, Levine along with Dunn and the marketing pick uh, for Jimmy Butler. And you can't move a guy like Jimmy Butler and then lose that guy. And I've always thought you could. But right now it appears it appears that right. um, they're going to match the offer. They have 48 hours uh, after the offer was made to match it. Well, uh, vote right now. Our Twitter poll question, uh, we have two of them running right now. Uh, John Paxson apparently will be uh, giving uh, uh, Zach Levine $78 million over four years. A, B, or C? A, Pax overpays. B, Paxson smart. He has this planned out from way back when he made the Jimmy Butler trade. He knew this day was coming. Or C, Pax had no choice, backed into the corner. So, yesterday, Meeves dropping and listening to you, Fred, and uh, you're on with uh, Miller, right? Jeff Miller, Jeff yep. Miller, right? And uh, your guest, the NBA ESPN expert, uh, Wojina. Uh, nope. Bobby Marks. Why do I keep doing that? I don't know. Uh, Woj was out. We'll Woj, 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 Woj talk later. Yeah. We'll get to Woj in a minute. So we have two experts with uh, uh, radically uh, different opinions. Let's go first to uh, yesterday, Fred and Miller, and uh, the topic comes up. And uh, was well, he been a general? He's uh, a long. He worked in front office. Long time yeah. front office guy. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, he was a contract uh, guy and everything. Uh, Eric was telling me before the show. So uh, Bobby Marks basically says, no, 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 I would not be matching uh, if I were John Paxson. Let's listen. I I would be careful matching any offer. Uh, And I say that just because I think we learned from Portland a couple years ago with uh, Myers Leonard, uh, Mo Harkless, uh, Alan Crabb, that group. And I understood their philosophy where you, you know, you, you match the offer, you retain them, and then try to use them as a trade asset down the road. And, you know, that Myers Leonard contract is basically untradeable right now. I, I had thought that I had pegged Zach in that 12 to $14 million range just based on comps. Um, I understand a player coming off an ACL, so we pro- you guys probably did not see the full Zach Levine that you saw in, in Minnesota. But, yeah, we're learning the restricted free agents are learning the hard lesson uh, right now that there is no market out there for them to even go out and get an offer sheet. And, you know, I saw an article this morning about Sacramento that, you know, they basically are turning their attention to the trade market to try to absorb some contracts there. So, I mean, you're looking at Sacramento, um, Atlanta, um, you know, the Bulls certainly have room, but it's one of your own guys. So it, it, it will be interesting because the, you know, the one scenario would be for him to sign the one-year qualifying offer and then he'll go out to, uh, re, you know, uh, be unrestricted free agent, which probably wouldn't be the, the worst thing in the world if you're Chicago because you get him for uh, you get him for another another year there. So is there is there a way you can kind of find a compromise without overpaying him, and then you know eventually that tra- contract becoming um, untradeable? I think there is, but I would probably sit tight right now because I do not see an offer sheet coming in for. I don't see an offer sheet coming in for Zach Levine or Jabari Parker, Marcus Smart, um, Clint Capella. You know, there's a lot of good free agents, but they you know when you get that restricted tag, that that certainly hangs over you. ESPN NBA insider uh, Bobby Mark. So he says right in the middle there, Fred, uh, there's no market. Sacramento, 
Yeah. And the Kings were the team that uh, put they together the, the offer sheet. Out there, yeah. uh, Sacramento, uh, they'll be entering the trade market. So why did Sacramento do this? They must have figured, you know, we're going to mess with uh, John Paxson. They must have figured he's got a match. It was the the big trade a year ago. They get the we get the three guys back. You know, for I'm sure they would like to Zach, Zach Levine. Yeah, because if the Bulls call their bluff and say, "Okay, you got him, uh, nineteen and a half million a year," so. Um, but they must have known that Pac, they're back in Pax. Pax had to, and he did. Or at least he's suppo- at least he's supposedly going to, right. right. I don't know the I don't know the Pax had to. Uh, a lot of people think the he did. I think we're about split on if um, we'll find out okay. what people think. But I think uh, I know I didn't think he, there's a lot of people here at the station. I know Cap included. He did a whole show the other day on his mm-hmm. Sports Talk Live where yeah. he said I, there's you don't have to uh, re-sign him if if you still get him and he accepts a qualifying offer. That's great. But if someone else makes an offer and you don't want to go that high, now the question is, and after we heard right away after Sacramento made the offer, we heard right away that it was looked like the Bulls were going to match. There was reports the Bulls were going to match. Maybe John Paxson said, listen, if it's anything under $20 million, we'll max. I guess. We'll match. If it's more than twenty, million, uh, we're not going to. Well, they came in right at nineteen and a half mil. I think it's front loaded too. I think it's worth more in the first it couple of years. It is front loaded, and there's uh, injury outs, which right. worked, which the Bulls, according to one report, were not even going to try to ask for. But now they have it, so it worked out even better. Right. It works out better for in, them. in that regard. Uh, when we return, we'll get our Twitter poll results. Vote right now. Uh, Theo and the Cubs. A, they will see the World Series again. The two of them together. Theo and the Cubs. B. Well, it's starting to look like a one-time only, like the 85 Bears. Or John Paxson giving out the $78 million to Levine. Uh, Pax overpaid. Pax, he was smart. He had this planned out, knew it as soon as he made the Butler trade it was going to happen. C, Pax had no choice. Backed into the corner. And uh, the uh, crazy quote from uh, Cubs starting pitcher. Yes, he's the Cubs starting pitcher, Mike Montgomery. And some interesting quotes from Theo uh, after the uh, game yesterday. Jesse at 10, Nick Friddle at 11. Uh, So much to cover, so little time. Back in a flash, vote at ESPN 1000. Welcome back, Murph and Fred. Busy Saturday. Jesse talking Cubs in a few minutes. When uh, news breaks in, Fred breaks out. Oh, yeah, the uh, English have a goal. England, a one nothing lead over Sweden in the 30th minute as they get a uh, corner kick header from uh, Maguire, I want to say his name is. And uh, boom, one nothing. England leads Sweden. They're 30 minutes into the uh, first match of the day, first quarter final match. If uh, the winner of this game will play the winner of Russia, Maguire the goal, 30th minute. Um, we'll play the winner of Russia and Croatia. That game, a 1 o'clock game later on today. And uh, yesterday, it was Belgium and uh, France moving on. So uh, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of the World Cup. When does Germany play next? Yeah. Uh, they, they Four play, years? Yeah, they play in September. They'll play uh, what they call the oh. new Nations League. And, uh, yeah, they're getting they're gearing up for the uh, European Championships, which happened in two years because uh, they went home early. My good doctor, very uh-huh. upset still about Germany. I, I said, don't blame him. I am, too. Yeah. And I so is most of Germany. No kidding. Yeah, they're very <laughs> upset. 
we'll get back. Germans. Germans like to win, and they're very they're very focused on winning, and uh, they're not happy right now. We'll get to some more World Cup with uh, Fred Hubner uh, periodically between now and noon. Uh, let's see. Oh, 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 in about one minute, I got the uh, uh, scary quote from Mike Montgomery and an interesting quote from Theo Epstein. Just in a little while, but let's get the results. Let's bring in uh, Eric Ostrowski, EO 11. Let's find out how you voted. Usually we have one. We were so busy today, we had uh, two 9 a.m. Uh, Twitter poll uh, questions. Number one, Theo and the Cubs, A, they will see the World Series again, the two of them. B, huh, starting to look like a one-time only, one and done, like the 85 Bears. All right, now, Fred, let's project uh, the answer, the results, rather, uh-huh. right here. We know we got about a 40% usually, uh, you know, south side contingent, uh, 60% north side, give or take. And uh, so I'm going to figure we've got the uh, 33 to 40 percent Sox fans. Ah, that's one and done, those guys. Uh, and then there's going to be uh, maybe, uh, what, 10, 20, 30 percent of the 100 uh, percent of Cubs fans that are going to say, well, you know what? I'm starting to worry about that uh, one more time. Uh, repeat uh, deal. So I'm going to say, Fred, this is a 50-50 vote. Right, huh? Right there, fifty-fifty. Considering all the north and south side voting uh, factions, I'm going to go sixty-forty. I'm going to go sixty-forty um, that uh, they'll uh, see the World Series again. Okay, and uh, with their team in it, not just see it. Cause all right, I'm sure they'll see a lot more. El eleven. What the fans say? It's actually seventy thirty. Good that the Cubs and Theo will see a World Series there again. You go. Sounds good. Remember to what uh, Jesse? I'm going to ask him this at ten. He often repeats. Theo had a. He doesn't uh, repeat anything. Jesse's no, Jesse's new each and every time. No, he repeats <laughs> one of Theo's mantras. Oh, okay. Uh, from uh, a few, four, or five. I thought he repeats Jesse. Stay away from me. Years, years back, <laughs> which was uh, well, you know, we want to be in the playoffs seven out of every ten years, right? And Jesse likes to, uh, you know, echo that. Parrot that. Well, he does say, you think about it, you've been in, uh, in the NLCS for three years in a row. Yeah. You figure, okay, well, that, now you've got seven years left, and out of those seven, mm-hmm. uh, if you're going to be in seven out of ten, that means out of those seven, three of those years, you won't make it. Yeah. So, or, you know, it could I, always be that this year might not be one of those. Or it can, might be one of those. Now, the first three years Theo was here, they weren't in. When does the seven out of ten clock begin? Did it begin day one? I think it begins the first year you make it. Oh, that's a lot easier. Well, sure it is. Because <laughs> otherwise, you got to do seven in a row. Right. If the seven out of ten, if you count the first three years when uh, they nah. were uh, bad. Yeah, you don't want to count those. All right, All right. That'd just be a checking. mistake. Yeah, you don't, don't and, count those. And uh, our second Twitter poll, as we had so much to do today, John Paxson, I have no idea how this vote's going to go. John Paxson gives... Uh, Zach Levine, $78 million over four years. As Fred pointed out, it's front-loaded. Uh, the reports will will say when it happens. And there's some injury, I guess, knee injury outs, or maybe any injury. I imagine it's the knee injury, but right. who knows. Outs, Coming off an ACL. Which makes it a little more palatable uh, for Johnny Pax. So uh, vote right now. A, Pax overpaid. B, not Pax was smart. He had this all planned out before he even made the Butler trade that this day would come. Or C, 
Pax had no choice. He was backed into the corner. What's he going to do? Let this guy walk after the big three for one that trade for Butler? Now this guy goes bye-bye? Fred, I don't know. This might be a third, a third, and a third. I don't even know. Yeah, it could be close. Think? I think some people, because people aren't a big Pax fan, they might just say the Pax was... Uh, what was the one that uh, railroaded into it or had no choice? Uh, had no choice. Backed yeah. into the corner? Backed into the corner. Yeah. I'm going to vote B. How could Pax not have known this was coming? In other words, when they make the trade, right, for Dunn, Levine, and the draft pick, which turns into a marketing, how could this not have been where Pax says, all right, before we uh, you know, sign this deal, let's double check. Okay, now Levine, at the end of this coming year, meaning last year, uh, he could get an offer sheet. He, we might have to match. He had to know this day. Well, he was- knew it was going to come, but, you know, it all depends. It all depended on how well or poorly he played last year. Right. If he would have played well, then the Bulls would have made him a nice qualifying offer, maybe. All right. You know, and uh, and then other teams might have been interested in him. As it was, mm-hmm. he didn't play all that great. And uh, so, you know, Pax is probably saying, well, if he doesn't play that well, then we want to hang with him. And, uh, you know, he has more time to recover from his injury. Maybe he'll get better in a year or two and we'll be the beneficiary of that. So, so it was a gamble for him. But I think you're also saying, B, he knew this day would come. I mean, it wasn't a surprise, no. or was it? Was no, the Sacramento offer sheet a surprise? No. Again, why did they do this? If they, they don't, they never thought they were going to be st- stuck with them. That they would get them. Do you think? Uh, Sacramento. Yeah. I think they, think they might. Eric, yeah. do you think that Sacramento legitimately thought they would get him? I'm going to say they made a decent offer to him. I'm, oh, they yeah. definitely like offered more than his value, so they gave it a real shot. That's so they, for sure. Yeah, they were all in to get him. Yeah, yeah. I think it's with that all offer. Right. I think that's what it says. So then maybe Pax had no choice and was backed into the corner. Is that what we're really saying, or is it B? Pax saw all this coming, or A? He he overpaid. Well, you know, you're never overpaid. You get what. What the market gives you, I guess, right? What the fans say, you know? Okay, so 13% said that he planned this out. Huh. 40% said that Pax had no choice. And 47% says that he overpaid. People don't like Pax. So what that means is no, 87% <laughs> believe he screwed this up. That's right. what that means. Yeah. And here and here I voted B. You saw this coming. He played it smart. So I'm the 13% out of step, Charlie. He had to see it coming, Fred. Well, he knows coming. He well, he knew at the end of the yeah. year. At the end of the year, they he was uh, going to be a you know restricted free agent. They made him right. a, a qualifying offer. Okay. Hey, let's get our new Twitter poll uh, questions up for you right now. Vote at ESPN 1000 or on the radio at three three two three seven seven six. We have two more this half hour. So, number one, did the White Sox wait too long? To trade Avi Garcia, simple yes or no. Did the Sox wait too long to trade Avi? Yes or no? And uh, number two, which is better? Which of these two do you enjoy more? The NBA offseason, all the trades and the intrigue and the mystery and the excitement. Which do you enjoy more? The NBA offseason or B, the NBA regular season? All right. <laughs> no, I've heard I've heard both uh, over the last week or so on the sure. uh, on the air here to go to Leah's Pin One Thousand. Some uh, people I like the off season more than I like the regular season, and I'm thinking, well, is that the way sports is supposed to work? Uh, my my biggest problem is yeah, NBA free agency is great for like three days or four days, and when all the big names sign already, yeah, now the rest of it's stupid. 
Uh, there, there was a big list of guys in the paper here today. Let me hear. Let me rattle these off. <laughs> right. See if any of this gets you interested and excited for mm-hmm. NBA basketball. Okay. Here you go. Uh, veteran guard Tony Parker, a two-year deal for $10 million for the Hornets. Uh, center Yusuf Nurkic uh, signed a four-year, $48 million deal with the Blazers. Forward Kyle Anderson, four years, $37.2 million. Center Kyle O'Quinn, one year, four point five. Who cares? The, once, <laughs> once the top players are gone... The rest is silly. It's off. It's there's. It's not worth anything. I mean, this Zach. If it wasn't for the Zach Levine news today, it would be really boring. I'm with when you. It comes to NBA a lot agency. of people now say that they enjoy the. And I do too. NBA I do fans. Too for four days. NBA fans. They enjoy yeah. the off season more than the regular season. Yeah. I what do does too. that say about your sport? I don't know. I, I guess that's what everyone loves now. The off season more than the games. We'll find out. Okay. So how about a couple? Uh, here's here's. Uh, Here's a scary. Here's a scary quote. You uh, think it's a scary quote? I'm not as scared by it, but I'm not a Cub fan. The Mike Montgomery quote. Yeah. All right, Mike Montgomery. Uh, See, you ask guys to be honest, and then when the guys are honest, then you criticize. I don't ask that. That's other people. <laughs> no, I would never be honest. No, either would I. If a reporter comes up to me, I'd either say I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Or I'm going to give him a line. Yeah. Everything's everything's dandy. everything's wonderful. Everything's Jim Dan. Yes. All right. So, uh, you know, Mike Montgomery, who's, let's be honest, he's been a godsend. A savior. He's been yeah. a savior uh-huh. with the injury to a Darvish and, of course, Chetty, who's pitching today. We'll talk with Jesse about the Chet man a little bit later. Still leads the league and walks aloud, 66, even though he missed a start uh, when he was uh, paternity. Uh, uh-huh. I almost said paternity suit. Paternity leave. Right. Leave. Right? Okay. Still leads the league and walks. A lot of these, a lot of these <laughs> cup players should have planned better. All their, all so, their wives and fiancés are having kids during the season. By the way, the Cubs have been uh, playing season. just fine without plan. Bryant. We'll get to that a little bit well, later. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they won six of their last seven. Yeah, okay, seven, uh, seven and five since he's been gone. But they were a four. They had a fourteen game, uh, fourteen games above five hundred. Yeah. That was their high record mark. I know high water mark. against the clock, Eric. Hang on. All right, so here's Mike Montgomery, who's the, the last couple outings. You know, he's been Mike Montgomery again. You know, workmanlike effort sometimes. A uh, couple uh, efforts that you know. Yeah, three runs, three runs over five innings yesterday. Eighty-five pitches. What did five hits? Two walks. Six hits, two walks. Okay, yeah, two that's, strikeouts. That's too many for five innings. But now batting down the hatches. Buckle up. This could be a bumpy ride. Listen to this. After the game, Montgomery says, I'm not as fresh as I was a month ago. Do I have to say any more? You do because he qualifies it. It doesn't matter. I, I think it does. It I'm, not selective. I'm not trying to selectively edit. I'm saying, here's the guy that all winter, he's been campaigning, championing, saying, I want to be a starter. I want to be a starter. Okay, now you're a starter. You're stretched out. There's another phrase you get tired of, right? Oh, he's not stretched out. Well, he's stretched out now. But how fresh do you think uh, Hendricks and Lester and Cantata are? Point is, he didn't start for the first uh, eight weeks. Right. Six and a half, seven weeks. But what he weeks. said is he wasn't, he's not as fresh right. as he was when he started. Right, but he, he's the he's guy. All he wants to, to do be. is start. Oh, I know everyone's dinged up by now. Right, he, he was out of the bullpen. I'll tell you nothing. They're going to miss this guy in the bullpen. That's another thing. Right now, they got Rosario and him. Now, there was a nice outing by Wilson. What do you know? Two batters, two strikeouts yesterday. The bullpen again, four innings, no uh, runs, three hits. Good news, Edwards. One batter struck him out uh, back from the DL. Yep, four pitches. Uh, Montgomery continues. I'm not as fresh as I was a month ago. 
That's what you have to deal with as a starter. Okay, true. You don't necessarily have your best stuff every time out. Well, that's true. That's the fun part for me. What? <laughs> I, I just, I don't write it. I read it. You go out there each and every time. You got to adjust to how your stuff is. The fun part is I'm not as fresh as I was. Well, that, okay, I reversed it. I go, uh, I go into this week working on some things that get me mechanically and physically where I need to be. What's he going to work on to get himself physically where he needs to be? Throw? Maybe. Don't throw? Hey, listen, it's, you know, it's been hot to some of these last outings. Remember, not this outing, but the outing before he threw and you gave him credit for sticking out there and hanging tough with the team in, what, 95, 98-degree weather. Montgomery, who fell, this is uh, Mark Gonzalez, to 3-3 three and three after allowing three runs in five innings, has uh, thrown uh, 75, 74 innings overall. Uh, the last 45 innings over the, his last eight starts, he has one more start to make Wednesday against the Giants before the All-Star break. Montgomery says, quote, we're all looking forward to it, the All-Star break, but we definitely want to finish as, as strong. Okay, well, that's fine. Montgomery, who was on a pace to match his career high of 130 innings set last season. Well, you know, he's going to blow through that if he keeps starting. Sure. There's a reason some guys are starters and a reason some guys are in the bullpen. Hopefully, they can get this starting rotation straightened out just in a few minutes. He's always wanted to be a starter. Fred will have more World Cup between now and noon. Almost halftime between Sweden and England. England won nothing. And when uh, news breaks in on that, Fred will break out. And your last chance, vote right now for our Twitter poll at ESPN 1000. Busy day. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Beautiful weather. Fred's happy. Everyone's happy. Hope you're out and about running some errands or doing some yard work with Murph and Fred. ESPN 1000. Justin Rogers in a few minutes. I still can't <laughs> believe people find yard work fun and relaxing. That's true. I don't oh know why I said God. that. I hate it. I can't stand it. <laughs> oh, it's just awful. Oh, people say, oh, it's so lo- it's so so relaxing and built, you know, ni- no. It looks nice when it's done. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just awful. Yeah, I don't have a green thumb. I have like a, oh. a brown dead thumb. Yeah, it's terrible. You ever hear a thing called a hostas, H-O-S-T-A? Yeah. Well, those are pretty easy. Though. Yeah, those no, are hard. I screwed them up. Here's what I, I screwed those up? <laughs> well, you okay. put them in once and they come back every year. Oh, I know. So we have a whole uh, flock of them. I'm uh-huh. sure that's not the correct word. <laughs> a whole flock of them. Uh-huh. And uh, there was so much rain early. About a month ago, the big leaves, you know, they look like tobacco leaves. Yeah, they're huge. Not that I've ever really seen a tobacco leaf, but they're and there's so many. So you rolled them up and smoked them. <laughs> no, I was not in Carbondale. I was at home. Okay. And uh, it, it got to the point where they were almost choking each other out. And some were, uh, you know, dying already yeah. and getting moldy or whatever the word is. So, so, and every year I, so I clip a few of them, sort of weed them out. You know, not yeah. that they're weeds. Well, evidently I weeded out an important part. Because the nice little flowers that start coming up a few weeks ago, those white, yeah. sort of, you pop them type, those little white. Well, three-fourths of the hostas don't have the nice flowers coming up because I pruned, I over-pruned. Uh, so I screwed up the easiest plant there is. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we put those in. Yeah. They might even been in when we bought the house, I yeah. think. 
And that's been 20 years. They're like coming, weeds. Every year they come right back. It's wonderful. Warning. You don't touch them. Don't prune them. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, I will not. I'll tell you that. I will not touch right. them. There's a lot of gardeners out there laughing. You, you don't, have to, don't prune the house. You don't have to water them. You don't have to do anything. They just grow. So Theo Epstein says uh, to the press corps yesterday, I think I saw this in... Uh, Mark Gonzalez piece. Well, Jesse wrote an article, too. Oh, Jesse yeah. probably has. Uh-huh. Sure, that's where I read it. Uh, Theo says yesterday, talking about the starting pitching, Epstein envisions better days ahead for a rotation that has averaged only four and a third innings uh, per start this year and has leaned heavily on the ace left-hander John Lester, 11-2 and two with a two two five Ernie. Theo says, quote, our starting pitching is going to carry us for long stretches this season, and it hasn't happened yet. It lies ahead. All right, anytime. Well, you know what else? Uh, Jose Quintana the other day when he went six innings, he was the first Cub pitcher to go six innings since June 24th. Yeah. Uh, they have not been going long now. That was a good do, outing. But you do have to also put some of that on Joe, because sometimes Joe mm-hmm. pulls a guy when a guy has more time left because they got to score some runs. Well, he's trying to keep him uh, so like uh, Mike Montgomery, is, uh, he's, who says, I'm not as fresh as I was a month ago. That's what Joe's trying to do. But Here, Here's the biggest thing that Theo said yesterday. I'm sure you were going to get to it. Mm-hmm. Theo said... There is no way we're going to go out and acquire starters the caliber of a locked-in Kyle Hendricks or a locked-in Jose Quintana and guys like that. The majority of our answers lie within. So if you thought they were going to go out out and get another starter... They can't. Well, I didn't know where... I've heard some people say that, but the thing is... You went out and got Quintana, who has time left, a couple years. You went out and signed Chetwood for two more years. You went out and signed Darvish for five more years. Where are you going to put another pitcher? You can't, you, you got nowhere to put one. You know what guys do when they're backed in a corner? They spend money. Well, he's not going to do it. When you don't have that, well, I mean, answering those yeah, guys, yeah. those names you just said. When when you don't have anything coming up through the system, be it drafted or free agent, I mean, drafted or international signing, when you don't have anything, then you got to do one of two things. Trade, like the Arietta, right. or free agent yeah. signings, a trade can, like Quintana, right. or the free agent signings of Chatwood Lester and, and Lester. And Lester, right. right. And, oh, but Murph, that was his plan. Uh, you know, get draft hitting, get hitting, sign hitting, uh, free agent, uh, international uh, free agent. I mean, you know, well, there's nothing there. So all this, well, we'll break down. See, how, they got, yeah, they got themselves in a spot where they brought in three oh, pitchers yeah. since the middle of last year. They brought in three starting pitchers. Well, if they don't work out, then they don't go anywhere. Well, we'll break it down with, with Jesse how we got to this point. We being Theo uh, and uh, uh, Jed Hoyer on the north side. Also, you want to stay tuned because Jesse just mm. tweeted Uh-oh. Chris Bryant update included. Oh, is he starting uh, batting a second and third know, base? You Jesse, know, Jesse and Chris Bryant are like blood wow. brothers. Jesse's such a tease. <laughs> Jesse in a few minutes. And you've got starting lineup for today. Let's quick get the results of our uh, Twitter poll. EO11, can you pull those up quick? Uh, double bubble right here. Number one was, did the White Sox wait too long uh, to, you know, think about trading to trade Avi Garcia? Yes or no? 64% say yes, they did. And also, which is better? The NBA offseason, the trades and the intrigue, or B, the NBA regular season? You know, the games. Can't wait to hear this one. What was it? 
Three-fourths, 75% says that the NBA offseason <laughs> is better. Well, then I got an idea. Just ash can the regular season. I'm all for it. You know? Yeah. Right. Have an 81-game playoff. Everyone starts in the 30 teams in the playoffs, and you play 81 games round robin. Why play the damn season if 33% of the people like it and everybody else is? I'd rather just the offseason. That's my favorite part of the NBA, the most popular sport out there. That's the way it is. Back in a flash, it's Murph, it's Fred, Jesse next, it's ESPN 1000. Uno, dos, one, two, Hour number two, Murph and Fred, one minute away from Jesse Rogers. Beautiful day, glad you're with us. Every Saturday, 9 till noon. Uh, let's quick take a look at our Murph uh, and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Multiple choice. Who has the most upside still remaining? Who still has the most upside? Javi Baez, Addison Russell, Ian Happ, Kyle Schwarber. Who still has the most Ooh, upside? That's a tough one. Vote right now. Baez, Russell, Hep, Schwarber. The most upside we know because he gets better every day. It's Saturday. Cubs are at the park. ESPN 1000, baseball man, cub expert, and man around town all the time, Murph and Fred, now with Jesse Rogers. Hey, morning, Jess. Morning, Murph and Fred. Let me just start by saying this. That is a hell of a poll question. That is a doozy. I, I don't know what I'd answer there, but it's a good one. That well, is a good poll question. We'll let the fans vote. We'll have the results when we spring Jesse on his busy day. Starting lineups are in. Fred just handed them over to me. Zobrist, Hayward, Baez. Rizzo, Baez, Hap. Baez at second. Well, yes. Yeah. Zobrist, Hayward, Baez. Rizzo, Hap, Schwarber. Caratini, Russell, Chetty, Chetwood. Leads the league. Leads baseball with 66 walks, even though he didn't even pitch uh, uh, that one start when he was on uh, paternity leave. And as Fred says, Baez at second. That puts Happy over at third. Uh, fellas, uh, Jesse, Fred, I did a little bit of uh, number crunching on the old yellow pad, Jesse. And uh, counting yesterday, there have been 12 games without Bryant. Since he either stopped playing or was put on the DL. 12 games without Bryant. Uh, they lost the first three. The last two at Cincy and the first one out in L.A. Uh, when they all tried to uh, jerk the ball to power field. And the uh, next morning, next day, they had the, the big uh, powwow with Chili Davis. Anyway, they're 7-5 and five, uh, without Bryant. Again, the three losses in a row pushed that little out of whack. But here's who has started the 12 games at third. Now we know that Joe, he's going to find a way to get these guys Baez in the lineup anyway. But just for the actual facts of the matter, third base, 12 games without Bryant. Baez has started four times. Uh, Bodie has started four times. 
Hap 3 and Listella 1. Now, Hap today, it'll be his fourth time. So, 13 games counting in this, uh, today's game. Four starts for Baez, four starts uh, counting today for Hap, four starts for Bodie, and one for Listella. Now, again, these are all uh, mix and match parts. I understand that. But here's what's interesting, fellas. Uh, the third baseman for the Cubs is 15 out of 45, batting 333 since Bryant stopped playing. That's pretty good. Six walks, uh, which uh, bounces uh, the on base up to 411. So they're batting 333 with an on base of 411. Uh, they have 10 runs scored, nine ribbies, two homers. Let's project that, okay, over 150 games. No one plays 162 anymore. But just to project this for fun, in the 12 games without Bryant, they're hitting 333, the on base 411, the third baseman, and they project out two 125 runs, 112 ribbies, and 25 homers. So third base is held in its own, and they've been fielding magnificently, be it Hap, uh, be it Bodie, or be it Tobias. Yeah, that last point was the one I was going to add on if you didn't. I, 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 it's been amazing how well Hap and, well, especially Hap, I guess, Bodie and Baez, well, Bodie's good anyway, but Baez, we know, can play anywhere. But I'm, I'm surprised how well Hap's played there, but all three have done it. And obviously, you know, there, there's a good chance those numbers would come down the more games they play. However, this is, the, this is what a rotation can look like in a positive way when you don't put too much pressure on one guy, when you give him rest, when you get the right matchups. You can exploit the platoons, and that's Joe's uh, way of way of managing anyway. So let's say that Chris Bryant wasn't on this team, you might see this kind of rotation and, and see more success than you might think. However, over 150, as you say, I'm not sure you can actually extrapolate and say this is what no, will happen. No, I know. It was we know, fun. We know eventually, yeah. right, their, their skill set isn't as good as Chris's, but the point is this. They've held their own over 12 oh. games, and that's... Part of the reason they won, they won six in a row before yesterday. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have a you have a uh, update for us? How was his BP yesterday? I know that what Madden said yesterday concerned me just a little bit. When Madden said uh, that Bryant might have to tolerate some level of discomfort when he returns, yeah. and we're, and yeah, we're not no, talking I, about you being around him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Of course, he's already to- hey, he won an MVP tolerating that. Yes, Come he on. did. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that is. I think it's going to linger. It it, it, it sounds like it's going to linger a little bit. But he did have a really good session in the cage. Now, it's different than on the field where they're throwing at him. So that's going to happen today. He's going to take live batting practice. I think, now this is informed speculation, he might do that again tomorrow. But what I'm hearing is there will be a rehab assignment. I'm hearing double A, could be triple A. If you think about this, this is the way I see it. Uh, BP today for sure, maybe even tomorrow. Then he goes on a rehab. I would say two to three games. Let's say two games. Mm-hmm. Maybe a travel day Wednesday. He joins the team in San Diego. Where did he play college uh, ball in San Diego? You just know this. He wants to play there. He loves playing there every year. He has good numbers at Petco. Uh, hit a home run in the All Star game there. So that's my feeling. BP BP rehab rehab travel. Um, get there for the last three games in uh, San Diego. As long as everything goes well. Now I might be off by a day here or there. The key thing is I am hearing about a rehab assignment. I'm sure Joe will, will talk more to reporters in about a half an hour about that. So it is good news. It is good news. But will it linger? 
we'll find out from Chris when he speaks. Let's let's stay on the uh, Chris Bryant uh, patrol right here as we visit with Jesse Rogers on Murph and Freddie ESPN 1000. Now, you obviously want to upgrade from Bodie, who's been, you know, terrific doing what he's doing, 25th man filling in, hitting the ball, you know, and making the plays. Of course, you'd rather upgrade. But what if... Now we're all gonna, well, where's my water bell when I need it? What, yeah. if, what if we just consider that for the rest of this year, Chris Bryant is not, you know, a home run hitter. Now, yeah. I've never been a home run hitter. I've never been in a <laughs> locker room, and I've never been a major league home run hitter. But the left shoulder is where the tinge is. We don't know how bad it is, whatever. The left shoulder is sore. To what degree, who knows? Obviously, it's it's hindering him on a home run swing to follow through the left shoulder as a right-handed hitter. Now, what if you just look at him from now on as, you know, he's a singles hitter. He may hit a few in the gap. All right, thank you. What if he's going to get his walks, his on-base how much does that harm the team if all of a sudden you look at Bryant in a different light? He's your leadoff hitter. He might throw a home run in, uh, you know, one or two a month. Mm-hmm. But he's getting on base, getting base hits, uh, getting that run, scoring runs in the top of the order, maybe getting some ribbies if the seven, eight, nine guy gets on, you know, once you turn the lineup over a few times. Is he still a how? Let me rephrase. How productive can he still be without the power? I think you hit the nail on the head. We we I think we saw it for about a month there. I think that that shoulder uh, zapped some of his power, and he was effective until that little stretch at the end where he, where he went like zero for fifteen. Remember, the power numbers weren't there, but he was still getting on base. So I think we already saw how effective he can be. But I think we have to readjust our expectations if it is going to the pain or soreness is going to linger. And here's the other thing. Maybe Joe's going to have to manage his playing time more. Plays three in a row, almost like a Zobris thing. Okay, that, that shoulder's, you're feeling it a little bit after three in a row. Maybe you sit. Maybe we don't see him as much. It all, it all depends on how much that thing is healed and how much he can deal with. But I think all that's in play, Murph, and we have to rethink the middle of that order. And you're probably right. I mean, he was already leading off here and there. Maybe he's the guy against righties at least, and you still throw Elmore up there against lefties, hmm. um, and maybe Chris sits a little bit more. I think all that is in play if that shoulder is not 100%. Last thing, and, and Chris Bryant, this is from our, our buddy Mark Gonzalez. Uh, last season, Gonzo writes, Bryant missed only one game after injuring his little finger on a head-first slide July 19th. Fred pointed out that was a sliding into first base, as uh, we recall now last year. Bryant missed just one game after injuring his little finger on a head-first slide July 19th. He raised his batting average after that by 20 points, but hit only 10 home runs after the injury. Now, we're coming up on July 19th again. Jesse, uh, including, you know, with the all-star games off and how many more days uh, Chris might be out. So let's just round it off. In the last calendar year, or if you want to call it the last full, you know, baseball season, Chris Bryant, with the head-first slide with the uh, little finger injury last year, and his shoulder was, I believe, correct as if we're wrong, was a head-first slide earlier this year, right? I believe so. I can't remember if it was a head first uh-huh. into the into first base or going back to a bag. He wasn't mm-hmm. even clear. 
But either way, it was it was it was diving back okay. to a bag or to first base. One of those. Or it might have even been something tells me uh, going from first to third, sliding head first into third. Right. But it's irrelevant. The point yeah. is, his two injuries have been from head first sliding. I'm not telling him not to slide head first. I'm just pointing out the facts. Yeah. So yeah. his two head first slides. In the last one year, from July 19th to July 19th, he has 10, and this year he has 9. So he has 19 homers, you know, give or take, over one season duration, and that's not him. Well, it is now, yeah. but it's not supposed to be him. Yeah, you're right. And he, and he also had an ankle in there, not that that affects power, but he's had some lingering things. And here's the other thing I've noticed about Chris. Uh, he doesn't exactly speak up. He is. He did not tell the team right. about the shoulder thing until very late. So maybe this is something. I know he wants to be tough and be in there and play, but it's better to nip it in the bud and try to come back 100%. Um, you, you can be effective, but you can't be yourself without it. So it's a great point, Murph. Two little injuries, hand and shoulder, has, have probably zapped some of his power. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Chris is not willing to admit that stuff. He's very stubborn about it. He still won't admit it, even though he could use it as an excuse, I guess. Mm -hmm. But facts are the facts. There's no doubt. You mentioned those two injuries. We see the power. It's not as, as much there. Here's a guy who hit, what, 39 is MVP year. Um, I thought he'd be a 40-home run guy year in and year out and, and raise that average. That's not happening. Maybe the injuries are, are, are for the, you know, are the reason for it. Jess, we talked a little bit yesterday about the Cubs and if they were going to look for starting pitching or whatever. And I think by, uh, Theo saying there's no way we're going to go out and acquire starters the caliber of a locked in Kyle Hendricks or a locked in Jose Quintana and guys like that, the majority of our answers lie within. I guess he gave you the answer there. If they go look for anybody, it's probably going to be a bullpen guy. Yeah, I mean they're gonna they're gonna touch the, the 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 outskirts of the starting market. You know what I mean? I, I just can't see him getting a playoff type caliber starter. I mean, you guys have documented it. They're, the farm system's barren. You'd have to really rip up your major league team to get it. They've invested so much, Fred. You said it in the last twelve months, adding three fifths of the rotation, yep. money, assets. I mean, how much more can you do? You can grab a six or a seven. There's no doubt they're gonna grab a lefty in the bullpen. Probably a lefty and a righty. It, it, and I'm guessing one of them at least will be July 31st at the at the 11th hour. I really believe that they're going to wait it all the way out. Um, if, if Darvish's prospects are, are negative, then they'll probably grab a, a you know as as good a starter as possible. But I don't know if it's going to be one that's better, as Theo says, than, than Hendricks or Quintana when they're at their best. So it is what it is. They've spent a lot of money and assets on their rotation already. There's only so much you can do, and they don't have the farm system. Um, one guy's hurt, one guy suspended. Where are all the waves? Where's those know. waves? We're going to have waves. Don't have them. Back to you, Fred. <laughs> Don't have them. <laughs> hey, yeah. Jess, before Murph gets to it, because we talked about it a little bit earlier last hour, and that is another goal for uh, England. Oh, <laughs> he was offside, I think. No, he's not offside. Do nothing. No goal. Yeah, Deli Ali with a goal. Two nothing. They leave lead Sweden. Too okay. many rules. Just kick okay. the ball before, and run back and forth. Before Murph gets to it, did Theo's, he says, you've quoted it many times. Uh, Theo said you'd like, your goal is to get to the postseason, you know, seven out of the ten times. Oh, yeah. Just now, so you it, always, it you always yeah. repeat that, which yeah. is, and, and it's yeah. factual. It's factual. Now, does it, does it start when Theo started or does it start the first year they went to the playoffs? Yeah. Cause those first three years he was in the tank. So does that mean seven <laughs> yeah, in a row? No, or no. I, I, I think it's when they became a contestant. Let the record we show. Gotta start, we got to start in 15. Okay. 15 on. And I mean, it's just a general statement, but I say that I say it to remind people mm -hmm. there will be that odd year that you think you're a really good team and things go south 
um, injuries, somebody gets full of themselves, someone gets lazy, someone uh, you know doesn't get the contract, whatever, things can go south on you. It's hard to keep winning and stay on top. Look at the Nationals. Look, I mean, even the Astros are being pushed. Granted, they have a great record. but um, not, not by the White Sox, they're not, I'll tell you that. No, no, but the, <laughs> the Mariners. It's hard to keep winning, Murph. You know that year after year after year. Yeah. Though they, they <laughs> This NL is so wide open this year. It would be such a mm. disappointment. But, man, if you guys have not learned to have some respect for the Brewers, you never will. I mean, this team will not go away. No, as much keep as the winning. Cubs are, yeah, the Cubs are doing well lately. The Brewers keep doing well. So it's, it's, it looks like it's going to be a great race in the second half. Jesse, uh, I think we should devote a minute or two here, you, me, and Fred, on uh, how everything boiled down to the starting pitching rotation that Theo has today. I remember, uh, the, remember the old uh, Grateful Dead. They had one line I love. Okay, right there. Okay, stop the tape. All right. <laughs> I stole that from the XRT files. Okay. <laughs> now, I hope they don't find out and, and try to, you know, give me They trouble. got other stuff going on. So... Last, let's go back to last June. All right, let's go 13 months back. All right, as we all remember, opening day of 2017, here was the Cubs' starting rotation Lester, Lackey, Arietta, Hendricks, and Brett Anderson. Oh, Brett Anderson! Don't forget Eddie Butler. Well, they had to then, they changed out Brett Anderson, and they said, let's try this. Last uh, uh, May, year ago, May. Lester, Lackey, Arietta Hendricks, Eddie Butler. How's that working out? Okay. So then uh, they got Montgomery throwing some starts in there. Here's what the bottom line is, fellas. Last April, a year ago in 2017, the Cubs rotation is not bad at that moment. Lester Arietta, Hendricks, Lackey, and then Brett Anderson or Eddie Butler. All right. Theo realizes... Oh, number one, I got no number five starter. Eddie Butler, Brett Anderson, no way, Jose. Then he says to himself, I also got a pickle a year from now because I only have two of these guys coming back. This is a year ago, June. He's thinking, you know what? I only got Lester and Hendricks coming back. Arietta, he probably already had the feeling that that wasn't going to, you know, be their answer for whatever reason. Lackey, he knew he was, uh, going to retire or not with the Cubs and uh, the fifth guy. So last June, he looked, he's looking a year ahead as any GM has to look years ahead and he's saying to himself, I only got two starting pitchers next April. I'm in a pickle right now. So he's got to start making some moves. He makes the, I don't want to say panic trade, but he says, you know what, I need a Thank number you very much. five right now. I, I, I need a five right now, so I'm going to trade Eloy and Dylan Cease. I'm going to get that uh, Jose Quintana. All right, we can argue that back or forth at a later date. Then he says to himself, I'm going to need two more pitchers in the off season before 2018 to have a five-man rotation. So he's looking at the list. Here we go. So here was the list we all remember last November. He needs two more starting pitchers. He looks at Jake Arrieta, the free agent, Tyler Chatwood, the free agent, Lance Lynn, the free agent. He looks at Alex Cobb, uh, the free agent, and he looks at you, Darvish. He says, I need two of these guys. 
Arietta, Chatwood, Lynn, Cobb, Darvish. You want to hear something? All five of those guys right now are worse than they were in 2017. Arietta is now five and six. His whip is worse. His ERA is worse. Let's look at uh, Tyler Chatwood. Yeah. Uh, he is three and five. His whip is uh, up to 174 from oh. 142. But hold it. He's not pitching at Coors Field. His ERA, good point, Fred. His ERA is the same lofty, about 4.6. Let's look at Lance Lynn. He's been horrible for Minnesota. He's a five and seven. His whip went from 1.2 to 1.7. His ERA is almost double. Alex Cobb, who I know, uh, Jesse did some great reporting. You had some good quotes from him back in the free agent derby. He is now 2 and 10, leads baseball with 10 losses. His earned run average went from a 3.6 to a 6.5. His whip is huge, and we all know about Darvish. So the long, strange trip, the pickle was a year ago. He says, I got to get me three starting pitchers, one right away. So he gets Quintana. I say he overpaid. Many people say he didn't. And then he's got five guys, none of whom are any good this year uh, compared to the year before. Arietta, Chatwood, Lynn Cobb, and uh, Darvish. He's got to get two of them. The point is, this whole starting rotation thing is not like something that happened yesterday, everybody. It's something that started one year, two years ago. I guess I could be off base here, Jesse. Do you want to break down any of those mistakes I just made? Oh, no, not at all. I think it's a great reminder that if you're going to rely on free agency, we hear this in every sport, you're in trouble. And, and this is the one thing. I, I actually said this, Murph. I know you listen a lot. Um, I, I said back in March, okay, it looks great. It's a smooth camp. I think they'll get off to a great start. But the one caveat is when you sign upwards of five, six, Seven free agent pitchers, there is almost no way in hell five, six, or seven free agent pitchers are going to work out for you. Morrow's worked out. Seashack's worked out. Darvish has not. Chatwood has not. It, it was such a roll of the dice for them this offseason. It's, it's almost a miracle they're in this thing because, you know what, you could go 0 for 5 or 6 when you sign free agent pitchers. We're talking about 31-year-olds, 29-year-olds, 32-year-olds, mileage on their arm. All, you know, new cities, all these things that we hear about with free agents. The Cubs had a bunch of them that had to come through, and they're fortunate that a few have, so we almost have to look at it in a different way. It's a reminder. Free agency is never the answer. It's never the answer, and it was for Theo and Jed because they have not developed. Think about this. What if Jed Hoad's saying the couple times he was up in the last few years had pitched great? What if he was the guy in camp that wowed everybody and he was entering the rotation? What if Dwayne Underwood was more ready than he than he appeared earlier. You know what I mean? Now maybe he's starting to... I mean, they, they can't find one guy to be a five in this rotation. Say that again, that is, say that again slower <laughs> in case anyone's not reading your lips. They cannot yeah. find... One guy to be a five in their own rotation that they've drafted and developed. They've had name after name. We heard about Pierce Johnson. We heard about, again, Jen Hill saying I was high on. So, I mean... Not just they were fooled. A lot of people were fooled. You figure one guy might emerge. They have not had one yet. In fact, they give Underwood the best chance because of what I said about him. He looks like he's got some poise. Now, I don't know if he can blow anybody away. 
but he's got some poise, and that's better than anything else we've seen from, from those now, guys in the minors. Now, Alizé or whatever, and uh, De La Cruz, De La Cruz 80 days for uh, PEDs, and uh, Alizé, or whatever you pronounce it, he's, he's got, uh, uh, what, rib or something? He's got a hip flexor? Or, or, yeah, he's lat. down for I the think year. a lat. A lat, lat whatever. Yeah. Okay, even worse. Even worse. So, you know what? No one wants to hear this. And the, and they won the World Series, and I'll forever be grateful to Theo and Ricketts and Jed. I wear my T-shirt all the time. Now I can die in peace. The Cubs won the World Series. But if they'd have developed just one stinking pitcher either from the draft or one stinking pitcher from the international uh, signings, then you know what? You can have him in the big leagues, and you'd still have Eloy. That's, that's what the heck you'd still have. Yeah, pretty much right. And you know what, Murph? They would, if J- Jason McLeod would say it on the radio to you, he'd say, you're exactly right. He'd have no excuse. He'd be like, he said it. This has kept me up at night. We are waiting to develop at least one guy that can right. be our guy. Yep. I mean, the, wh- who have they developed even in the bullpen? Zestrisny? I guess, well, Edwards came over in a trade, but I trade. still give them credit for development. Fine. But that's about it. Even yep. in the pen, it's been a couple guys. So they know they've come up short. Um, they're still a contender, luckily, because they have money to spend. But, yeah, to think that six free agent pitchers were all going to come through, that is just that's foolish thinking. Mm. And I, I sort of bought in a little bit because I had no problem. If you're not going to get Arietta, fine, get me Darvish. I mean, Darvish was supposed to be a 7-175 guy. They got him at 6-126. He's performing like Fred Hubner might on the mound at this point. Yeah, so, you're about right. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's not just that uh, they're, they're, they're not doing well. They're well underperforming. At least Darvish has when he's on the mound, and now this injury is just all knows five. What's going all on. five of the options are worse this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the only and I think that's also another reason Joe talks about this. Six weeks of spring training. It's not for the hitters. It's not for mm. the coaches. It's not even even for the relief pitchers. It's for the starters. And every one of you, those guys you mentioned, either signed on the eve in Darvish's case, which is okay, yeah. but most of them missed a ton of spring training, and they're still playing catch-up. Hmm. I guarantee you Alex Cobb is a better pitcher than he is showing, right. but he was behind the eight ball, and he's with a crappy organization. All right, Jesse. Hey, you lucked out. We're up against the clock, and we don't have time for... Oh, let's do one lightning. Can we do one? Thunder and lightning. All right, quick lightning round, Jesse. Uh, if either Russell or Baez ever has a owie, who's the uh, backup shortstop at uh, AAA that they would bring up? Freeman. Freeman's still there, right? Yikes. Mike Freeman, huh? <laughs> Next, lightning round. Kyle Hendricks. All right, remember he had the finger? He had like a carpal tunnel or a sprained uh, finger on his throwing hand a couple years ago. Is there any indication that that is back now? Because something's wrong and everyone says it's nothing. He says no. I can only go off of what he says. It's not an injury you're necessarily going to see. Theo uh, used the words mechanical rut. Mm -hmm. That's exactly the way I, I, I described it. This is not mental. This is all physical. So I'm going to say no until further notice. And uh, they've got a rough uh, schedule, the Cubs, after the All-Star break. But have you looked ahead? The final three weeks of the season, the final 21 games, the schedule maker did the Cubs a big, big favor. The last White 20... Sox. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, I just know the, they play Fred's White Sox. I don't know anything oh, else. Well, I don't here, remember. check this out. The last 21 games, 18 of them are in Chicago. 18 yeah, you know, of the last 21 games are in Chicago, including three at Sox Park. 
The only three are down in Atlanta. Uh, not not a real bad airplane flight. Theo and Jet, uh, Theo and Joe both have mentioned this. There's always a moment in the second half yeah. where they're, they're they're in their own beds for like two to three weeks because they do the White Sox, they do Milwaukee. There's some. There's always one good combination where it really favors them. Usually in August, this case September. So. Yeah, I, I, I think you're going to see another really good second half record. I mean, Joe's good at that anyway, and the, and the schedule, uh, you know, is favorable for that. The Cubs have to be one of the uh, teams with the shortest flight mileage for this season. Everything's compact here. I guess the Eastern Division teams don't do a whole lot, but I'll bet you the National League Central and the American League Central have the fewest airplane miles. I think I read the Seattle Mariners. They got like about 2 million miles they fly, and every the Cubs are like, you know, uh, 32,000, give or take. Yeah. But it really does make a difference. Jesse, great job. Up against the clock. Always appreciate your personal time. Thanks a lot, buddy. Have a good day. See you, Jess. You got it. I say the highest ceiling oh, right now. Yes. I'm going to go Schwarber. I'm going to go Schwarber still. Who has the, uh, still has the highest upside? We'll get the results after the break. Jesse says Baez, Russell, Happer, Schwarber. He's voting deep. Kyle Schwarber, get your votes in now. At Bye-bye, Jesse. ESPN 1000. Bye-bye. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Halfway home on a busy Saturday, Mike Murphy here, Fred Huebner there. Hey, we're about a less than a half hour away from Nick Friedel. Nick is in Vegas, uh, Fred, with the uh, Summer League, right? He yeah, is. it all starts tonight for the Bulls. Yes. Uh, they have a game tonight against the Cavaliers at 8.30, tomorrow against the Lakers at 10.30, and mm-hmm. then they play on Tuesday, I want to say. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be very, very uh, interesting to see how the uh, new uh, draft picks do for the Chicago Bulls. And we'll find out uh, all the updates on it appears from uh, all uh, reports that, indeed, uh, Zach Levine uh, will be uh, staying with the Bear, with the Bulls. The Bulls going to match the uh, four-year $78 million Offer sheet, as it's called, from the Sacramento Kings. And uh, John Paxson, was he backed into a corner? Did he see it coming? Was it a bad move? Uh, you, Most of you voted about 80% overall. Uh, didn't think he saw it coming. Nick, didn't, Nick did not think it was a good move, paying this much money. Yeah. So I'm, I'm uh, eager to see what Nick has, uh, as he has changed his mind at all. So we'll have Nick Friedel uh, in just a few minutes stick around. Let's get the results. Jesse said, oh, that's a good Twitter poll, which is uh, on board right now. We'll bring in... Eric Ostrowski, EO11. Who has the, uh, still has the most upside? Who still has the most upside? Javi Baez, Addison Russell, Ian Happ, Kyle Schwarber. Jesse voted Kyle Schwarber. Fred, I'm going Ian Happ. Here's the guy with the fewest major league at bats. Here's a guy that was the last of the first round of draft picks. Still, sort of, I believe, Finding his way around the major leagues, sort of force-fed in at a uh, young age. Switch hitter, uh, has the big swing, was striking out a lot, is striking out a little less, uh, walking a little more. He's got a lot of bang, we know that. Ten homers right now, I believe, and, you know, part-time play. That would project to 20 uh, at part-time play. Uh, he's got the gap power. He's got the first to third speed. He's got straight speed. I'm going to say Ian Happ. Fred, did you want to vote? I'm going with Jesse. 
I'm going with uh, Schwarber. Schwarbs? Yeah. That sounds good also. Yeah, I like Schwarbs a lot. I like what he's done, the adjustments he's made. He may not be hitting as many long balls. He has 17, I think, now. But I like the way he goes the other way. He goes up the middle. He goes to center field a lot. And uh, his his defensive play, if he can get to it, he usually catches it. And uh, the, the players and the base coaches that are testing his arm. Now, his huh. arm's really good. Yeah. He's going to keep showing you that he's going to throw people out, and right. they keep running at him. I I cannot understand these people. You want to hear a paradox? You can only throw guys out if they run on you. Right. So uh, I know, and it's weird because they know right. he's got a great arm, and they still test him. Even Kane, Lorenzo Kane, he was up in the league lead in yep. uh, outfield assists, and everyone knows don't run on him. Yeah. So uh, sometimes the guys with the best arms, no one runs on them, and their assist totals aren't that high. But Kyle Schwarber, and one thing he did yesterday, this was unbelievable. The Cubs went oppo all day. I mentioned uh, 18 of the 29 batted balls did go to the opposite field. Schwarber is uh, up to bat in the first inning, and uh, there's still no score at this time. Man on first, one out, uh, bottom of the second inning. And just prior to this pitch, we have the sound bite here from NBC Chicago Sports, uh, Len Casper and uh, uh, Jimmy Deshays. They have on the superimposed, well, the director does, up on the screen, the spray chart, which shows where balls are hit uh, by his, uh, and where the fielders are. You right. know? And they show, here it is, they show Schwarber. It's got like 6% of his ground balls go to the left side. So, of course, they've got the big pull shift to the right. No one's standing at third. The shortstop near second base. Oh, well, let's listen. StatCast is powered by AWS. And teams tend to shift toward the right side because that's generally where Schwarber will hit the ball on the ground. But not this time. Well timed, Mr. Schwarber. Well, he goes against the grain. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, J.D. goes, yeah, you know what? About 7% of the uh, time he goes that way. Well, maybe he's going to go more that way. Yeah. It was an outside pitch, uh, and I believe uh, the count was uh, maybe in his favor. It was really far outside. Two and one. I and mean, if he, he would have taken it, it would have been a ball. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, no doubt. It was definitely a ball. He reached out and just punched it like a you know 16-inch softball. Yeah. Just punched it the other way. And, you know, And Hayward's been doing a lot of it that, rolled too. Rolled right through for the base hit. Hayward's been doing a great job of that. I mean, the guy yeah. deserves credit when you want to get, you know, if for all the people that criticized him, myself included, what he's been doing, and he's been going yeah. with the pitch and hitting the ball the other way and making, still making some really nice plays out in right field. You know what he does when he dives for a ball? Uh-huh. When he gets his glove on it, I know people are going to say, well, I remember this time. The ball never pops out of his glove. Almost the ice cream cone yeah. yesterday. Well, but, but it I never know. pops no. all the way out. No. And uh, a lot of other players, they'll hit the ground, boom, ball pops out. Rarely, if ever. And I know everyone's going to say, oh, I remember the one time. Yeah, it happens once in a while. But to a lot of other outfielders, it happens more often. He's having his best year ever as a Cub defensively. He may be having his best year ever uh, offensively, yeah, well, offensively as a, too. Well, as a Cub. And eventually, they're going to have to stop shifting at him. Because he hits a lot of balls the other way now. Well, again, and I love the fact that even though they lost, uh, with the wind blowing in yesterday, uh, as I keep repeating, 18 of their uh, 30 struck balls uh, were to the opposite opposite field. field. So they didn't panic at the end. And even the final out, Hayward lined out to left field. I mean, outs and out, the game's over. But he tried to go with the tying run on base. Well, one more thing about Hayward. And... 
I mean, he took he's taken a lot of grief, you know, from me. Deservedly so. And everybody. I mean, you're, a, oh, yeah. you're a ball player. You get 184 million for eight years. You know, I, I don't expect you to play differently. I just expect you to play the way you were playing, and he wasn't doing that. I never see anyone go to that right field side foul wall at Wrigley Field or the left field foul wall. He's going to kill himself. I'm worried like about this that. Guy. Yeah, I'm worried about that. You know, a couple times I thought he hurt his knee. Yeah. He slid into it once and I was worried he wasn't going to come back. The pad does go all the way down now. It used to be it didn't go Buzzer the final foot. Well, Remember, that was the dumbest thing. Yeah, the I still thought it used to go. be about 12 inches from the grass. Yeah. Well, it does go all the way down. But he's been unbelievable. He makes every play. He makes them look easy. And, uh, Yesterday, I believe it was. Uh, so I'm listening to Enzo. I think with uh, who was he on? We had so many. If Enzo was, was on yesterday, you? he was out with us because he was yeah. only out for a little period, a brief period. Right. So and Eddie Olchek, Eddie, I know you're probably listening out there. So here's a soundbite. Eddie had brought this topic to the table about a week ago. Oh, that was he was on Thursday. He brought this up. Oh, so it was Eddie and Jesse were, yes. were co-hosting on yes. Thursday, and he brought it back again. Eddie uh, Olchek, Enzo. Remember when I asked you last week about? Uh, Jason Hayward. Remember, I said he pulled out a card out of. Yeah, it looked yeah, like he had a yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. I Bode, looked into that. Yeah. Bode did the same yeah, thing they, yesterday, yeah. right? Yeah, so it's more, kind of like a chart or something. Yeah, more teams are doing it. Is more that right? Huh? Well, yeah, wow. you brought up and I and yeah. I, I asked about it. Absolutely, it's, it's it become is, more huh? the norm because right. there's so much shifting for right. every player and everything. Right. It used to be, hey, move over. Yeah, now right, exactly. Just pull out the card, <laughs> Jesse. Move over. Let let uh, Jimmy take over. <laughs> move over, Rover. Uh, so here's the thing. Just like in the NFL. You know, quarterbacks, right. like they, they have the sort of cheat sheet on their wrist. Yep. You see it a lot. So evidently, and I've yet to pick it up on TV, but uh, Olchek keeps talking about it. Jesse verified it, of course. He's got, you know, I don't know if it's a three-by-five card in his pocket. He pulls it out. You're not allowed to bring a, a smartphone or a cell phone on the field or even in the dugout. A lot of them so, probably have wristbands. Or wristbands. wristband with it right there. You know, and tell them, uh, all right, uh, you know, this guy's four steps to the right, this guy's three steps to to the left. This, about two years ago, we mentioned it once. I never heard about it again, Fred. MLB outlawed something. MLB banned this. There were there was one team or more, and they were never specific, that had actually put a marker with spray paint, right. I guess, a little dot in right field, a little dot in center on their home field, a little dot in left field. You can hardly see it, right? Just a little dot spray paint or whatever. And that's where they would tell their right fielder, okay, that's home base. You stand on that dot. And then before the game or maybe with that cheat sheet, right. it would say, okay, so uh, let's see. Uh, Scooter Jeanette, five steps to the right, one step in versus righties. Sure. The three steps to the right, one step back versus lefties. And they had this with the spray paint dot. Just down almost like a GPS, yeah. if you will. Kind of like a nice grid that they put in yeah. for the field. Yeah. So the league outlawed it. Now, you almost wonder if there's another way around this. Like maybe Hayward's not just looking at a picture or a plot or a graph. Maybe there's something down there, like, you know. Well, like, maybe that's some of the reasons why. Spot. Maybe that's some of the reasons why some of these uh, outfielders or outfields yeah. do their field the way that they cut the grass. Okay. okay. Maybe Good. they do them that way, right. you know, so there's always a possibility. Or you plant one dandelion, 
and then that yellow dandelion. That's where you stand on the dandelion. One weed in right field. Yeah, but the league outlawed actually marking it. But like you say, who's to say you can't turf mark up a little bit with your spikes when you sure. get out there? Yeah. And then you look at the thing. Oh, I got to move in two more steps. Instead of the manager, like, they'll be waving a towel. Remember the old white towel in the dugout? Back up, back yeah. up. Hey, we'll have the Bulls talk in a few minutes when we visit with our guy, Nick Friedel, from Las Vegas at the NBA Summer League. Find out all the details about what's going on in the Summer League with the two new draft picks, Wendell Carter Jr. and uh, Chandler Hutchinson. And for those who are interested, 88th minute, England holding on to a 2 nothing lead over Sweden, trying to advance to the semis, which will be on Wednesday. And uh, vote right now. Here's our Twitter poll. The most, um, the biggest and most major rule change ever, A, B, C, or D, A, the MLB uh, designated uh, hitter. B, the NBA three-point line, NFL sudden death overtime, I sound like George Carlin. Sudden death overtime. It's football. You throw the bomb. Or D, uh, the uh, NHL, the overtime shootout. Vote now. The most uh, biggest and most impactful of uh, the rule changes ever. The DH, three-point line, sudden death, and the NHL overtime. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Murphy, Fred Huebner, welcome back. We're about five minutes away from Nick Friedel. Going to find out everything that's going on. Zach Levine and the Bulls now ready for uh, Summer uh, League. See how the new kids look. And Nick, so he's got a minute or two for Cubs talk. We'll get some White Sox talk next hour. Oh, also. He's in Vegas. He probably bet on the Cubs <laughs> yesterday to win and beat the Reds, and he's probably going to be aggravated. And uh, let's bring in Eric Kostrowski. Eric. This was a little different uh, Twitter poll, but I'm going to springboard it into something else. In your opinion, vote uh, which of these four was the most impactful, uh, the biggest uh, rules change uh, ever? Was it uh, baseball, uh, adding the uh, designated hitter? NBA, that three-point line. NFL, you know what? We hate ties. Let's have sudden death. And the NHL, sort of the same thing, but they said, we're going to have the not just sudden death, we're going to have the shootout and everything. I have no idea, Fred. I'm going to say it would have to be the DH, but no one's going to vote for that. They're going to vote for B, the NBA three-point line. That's what I'd vote for. I'd vote for the uh, three-point line. Well, the DH was very impactful. I mean, yeah. it had a huge uh, yeah, impact. Yeah, I, I don't think so it's... So the three-point line, yeah? Yeah, I don't think it's nearly as impactful, uh, okay. to be honest, because of the number of runs... Um, you know, it ha- I don't think it's really done the job that it, it was designed to do, but uh, it did, you know, avoid us having to watch some pitchers pitch, even though Lester did hit a three-run homer this week. I got a text from you before it landed in the basket. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm going to go B. I'm going to go B like a lot of other people, I think. All right. Uh, Eric, what the fans say? Okay, so with both of these with 8%, so NFL sudden death and NHL OT both got 8%. Mm-hmm. 
MLB uh, DH only got 10% and 74% says NBA three-point yeah. line. Yeah. Hard to argue. Yeah. I Hard. mean, think of, think of, people, uh, you know, basketball fans love going back into YouTube and all the stuff and watching stuff. Go and watch some of the features they've done on what Pete Maravich used to do in the oh. NBA. Pete Maravich was one of the most oh. amazing players. He aver- he'd average, I think he averaged 44 points in uh, college with no three-point uh, line. Yep. Uh, what this guy did was just amazing. Uh, it, uh, it's such a shame. He, uh, you know, it was great if you had a chance to see him. Fun when he to was watch. Here. But he passed way too young, and uh, yeah, he was just amazing to play. But I, the three point has just changed the whole game. It changed the game. There's no need for big men anymore. Pistol it really Pete. isn't. Maravich, remember one of his trademarks uh, was the baggy wigwam white woolen yep. socks down around his ankles. Yep, baggy oh, socks. Yeah. Hey, uh, by the way, England, <laughs> congratulations to England. They joined France and Belgium in the semifinals of the World Cup. A 2 nothing win today, or 2 nil if you want to get specific uh-huh. uh, 2-0 win today over Sweden. There's another game today, Russia against Croatia at 1 o'clock. Uh, Fred, speaking of rules, rules changes, uh, you were popping up all over the place. You're like whack-a-mole this week. That's yes, Fred. Boom. There's Fred. Boom. Uh-huh. You're on with um, uh, Meller uh, the other day. And we had a little soundbite here. You were talking about rules. But, uh, of course, you were talking about, right now, the uh, thing that you're watching on the TV. You're talking about the uh, the World Cup. You look at some of these guys. They've got, you know, there's a ball coming into the box on a free kick. They have both hands wrapped around a guy's waist, wrapped around his shoulders. Then they get called for a, a penalty in the box, and they start complaining. Don't hold the guy. It's that simple. <laughs> well, and I, There's you know cameras what? everywhere. They should know that. I think you'll see it, it'll become the norm now to how to play guys in the box because once I, I, I would be surprised if you don't see most major professional leagues across the world adopt VAR. Yeah. Because it's. I don't think they, there haven't really been too many outcries of a bad call from no. the VAR. It doesn't seem like it takes too long. They, they're pretty, they're, they're, they're spot on in terms of, okay, that's a foul, make the call, let's do it. And so I've been very impressed with the way it's been used. And so going forward, if that becomes the norm, then players will adapt and you won't see so many guys being dragged down in the box. So, Fred, how does that relate to, you know, like the NBA, where they never call this, they never call that, they never call traveling, they never call half the things that happen out there? Is that sort of what uh, is happening now, are you saying? I'm trying to well, follow you there. Well, these guys, they continue to follow, and they, they, they think that they're not going to get called, and uh, they're getting called. And this in this World Cup, there's been more penalty kick, mm-hmm. uh, more penalty kick goals than there's been in uh, a long, long time. So, you know, you would think that they would be smart enough to realize, listen, when the ball gets in the box, we got to play defense and not not hold guys. They're not learning that. All right. And it's but I I was going to throw something in when I was talking to Jeff Meller and I yeah. know I didn't do it. Uh-huh. He said he thinks that players will adjust and play better defense in the box and not get penalties. What was it Rob Manfred said a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> he said when they put the shifts in, right. he figured the players would adjust and hit the other way. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They yeah. didn't do it. Too bad. Yeah. Too it's, bad, it, it's, commissioner. It, it's, it's very, very difficult for players to adjust. So right. players, if they're beat, they're going to continue to do these things. Right. I'm reading the whole book on soccer, and the guy they said anytime you see a slide tackle, the guy says, I hate seeing slide tackles. You know why? Because that means the guy was out of position. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to slide tackle. You could scoot over and defend him. So Nick Friedel in a few minutes talking bulls. I know he'll shoehorn in some Cubs. We'll get to the White Sox. Hey, Commissioner Manfred, you know what? Let the shift 
be part of the game. And if the knucklehead hitter can't learn to, well, look at Schwarber. He pokes it out there. The Cubs are going, Oppo, leave the game alone. Don't reward the hitter that is not able to adjust. And that was another Murph moment. (laughs) Yes, it was. Every once in a while. Hey, taking a break. Glad you've been with us. Hey, always remember the Twitter poll's open right now. Here is our 11 o'clock Twitter poll question. Vote right now. Should the Bulls tank again? Yes or no? Very simple. Not will they. Do you want? Should the Bulls tank again this year? Yes or no? Vote at ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred, busy hour number three in front of us right now, one minute away from Nick Friedel, our Bulls guy, our NBA guy, in the uh, down at the Summer League in Las Vegas, so we'll get uh, right to Nick. Uh, let's see here, our Twitter poll for this hour, should the Bulls tank again, yes or no? If they tank again, I'm leaving town. I can't take it. Erase that tape, Erickson, over the years. I know everyone's going to like tank then. Tank. Yeah, I know. I Let's can run Fred out of town. <laughs> Get me I, out. Fred, I'm with you. I can't take it anymore. If, they're, if, they, would, if they would tank again yeah. on purpose, I would not watch one game. Let's go down to Vegas. Hey, hey, where is he? Where's Nick? I got a little trick with Nick. A little trick with Nick. Nick, Nick, big, banana, banana, big, Nick, right now, wake up, buddy. It's Murph and Fred in Chicago. It's a beautiful day. It's about 70 degrees. Wind off the lake. No humidity. What's it in Vegas? About 122? Yeah, it is roasting (laughs) out here, guys. It is roasting. But uh, good morning to everybody. How are we doing? Well, we're doing great, Nick. Thanks for getting up early. Nick, I uh, I am not watching another tank season. I can't take it. Well, Freddie, I I don't know what to tell you. I'm not watching I I think they everybody opens the season wanting to do well. Yeah. But if if things go poorly early, mm. then I, I I can't sit here and tell you now that there <laughs> won't be. I mean, we'll just see how the season plays out. But certainly, mm. uh, the direction for uh, next season and the next few seasons has been been set in a lot of ways because of uh, the decision mm. uh, by the Bulls to match that offer sheet last night. And, of course, the decision of the league to reward losing. Uh, but that's another topic that I've been doing for only about 20 years. So we will not visit that now, uh, rewarding uh, losing in the draft. Oh, I bet I bet Nick, Nick's been doing a lot down in Vegas yeah, besides Nick, Bulls uh, the NBA. The, the, the Cubs are on a six-game winning streak, so the odds are you bet for him to win again yesterday, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Freddie, I stay away from all Cubs betting half okay. my whole life because okay. I just can't handle it, uh, good <laughs> or bad. So I, I'm okay there. Okay, I agree. Uh, vote right now. It is pin one thousand. Not will the Bulls tank again, but should the Bulls tank again? We'll have the results before we spring uh, Nick in about 10, 12, 15 minutes. I know Nick's very busy today. All right, Nick, uh, lots going on, but I wanted to bring in Eric Gostrowski, EO11. Nick, one of our Twitter polls way back in the uh, uh, 9 o'clock hour, whatever that is where you are, 7 a.m., uh, 
was uh, very simple, but it brought in some interesting results. Not asking you to vote, but I'm going to ask you to guess how the uh, results came in. Here's how we set it up back at 9 a.m. Twitter poll. John Paxson gives Zach Levine, apparently is going to give Zach Levine $78 million over four years. A, B, or C. A, Paxson overpaid. B, hey, Paxson was smart. He planned this out. He knew back when he traded Jimmy Butler that this day was going to come along. Or C, Pax had no choice. He got backed into a corner. All right, so he overpaid. No, no, he was smart. He had it planned out. He knew it was coming. C, oh, no, no, he had no choice. He was backed into a corner. Not your vote. What do you think the fans might have said? You were in touch with all the Bulls fans every day. Oh, I think they. I think they would have gone towards a Murph. All right, he overpaid. All right, uh, EO eleven. Let's hear it again. A lot of people weren't with us. Maybe miss a little. Miss Nobody a lot. misses anything. They're here from nine to noon. Give us from the least of voted. What came in last up the ladder, please, Eric? Yep, in last place with twelve percent saying that Paxson planned this all out and he was smart. In second place, with 41% saying that uh, Paxson got backed in the corner. He had no choice. Uh-huh. And with 47%, Bulls fans believe that Paxson overpaid. So 88% uh, think Pax fumbled a ball in one way or the other. Is that it, Eric? Did I do the numbers right? Let me count on my ace. And eight. <laughs> 88, yep, got it. But 12% said he had this all planned out. Let me just ask you this, Nick. When he made the Butler trade, it had to be apparent what was going to happen within another year, or am I wrong? I mean, wasn't it obvious a year ago when he made the trade that they must have said behind the Bulls' closed doors before they agreed to the trade, well, you know what? And now Levine, in another year, is going to be able to uh, you know, go out there and test the market, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. right. So this was no surprise. Yeah, I mean, look, Murph, the the issue for... Uh, for the Bulls is the, I mean, you're right. They knew exactly what was coming. They knew when they made this deal that these tough conversations uh, were going to happen. And in fairness to Zach Levine, uh, you know, we're going to see probably a much better version of of what we saw uh, last season because he's a year uh, more removed from the ACL injury. The issue is that the Bulls thought that Levine would come back and, and really show them that he's a future star in the league, uh, and and continue to improve upon what he was doing in those last couple months in Minnesota. And that just didn't happen last year. It, it didn't happen. He didn't play very well. He had a couple of, of solid flashes where you thought, all right, uh, th- this is a guy that we can work with. And then there were lots of other times where he was just kind of a non-factor on the floor. I don't think the Bulls would have had any issue paying or matching in this case uh, the, the Kings offer sheet if they knew exactly what they were getting in Levine. But the problem here, guys, and this is the roll of the dice that you take anytime uh, you, you agree to one of these offer sheets, and this is the price of doing business sometimes in the league, is that they just don't know. I mean, I was very clear in, in where I stood on this from the beginning, in that uh, if I were the Bulls, I would not uh, match uh, in a, a very high offer sheet. That is my opinion, having watched Levine, having talked to people in Minnesota, having uh, watched plenty of games around the league the last couple seasons. But, you know, the Bulls, 
I think a lot of this was due to uh, them making the deal to acquire him and, and feeling like they just couldn't let an asset, uh, especially a young asset at 23 years old, walk away for nothing. And the key here is uh, nobody has the right answer. I am not sure uh, if what I said will hold up over time. Uh, the people who believe that uh, they should sign Levine or match this offer sheet, no matter what, they don't know, and the Bulls don't know. And it's very rare where you see a contract for this much money uh, on on a piece to your team where you're just not sure of. But this is what happens, and this is what could happen. And so, Murph, I mean, you know, the Bulls mm-hmm. were hoping to get a deal done that was a little – uh, cheaper and more team-friendly, it didn't happen. And now they have to hope that Levine is the player that they always thought he could be coming from Minnesota. But, you know, I, I was saying this last night. I've been saying it on the radio throughout the week. The belief that he can turn into that player, at least within the organization, uh, it's, it's just not there right now uh, in unity. Now they have to see uh, how Fred Hoiberg may be able to develop him over time uh, and, and speed up his growth. But, uh, you know, it, it's one of the most interesting topics I can remember in covering this team for the last nine, ten years. You know, Nick, even as late... The numbers are just nuts. Yeah, even as late as yesterday, uh, Bobby Marks was on with this, and Bobby Marks didn't think there was any team out there that was going to even give Zach Levine a, uh, an offer sheet because he thought that there's a lot of teams out there that couldn't afford the money, that uh, Sacramento was actually going to look at look for trades and things like that. So then I hear that the uh, that they have made the offer. And then within like an hour or maybe less, I have I hear reports that it's been reported that the Bulls will match that offer. Now, do you think Pax and Gar, they knew that, okay, they had, everybody had a good idea it was going to be Sacramento making this offer. Now, do you think that they had a number in their head? If it would have come back and it was four years at um, four years at 85 or four years at 90, you think they would have said no? Do you think they had a break even? Do you think because it was under 80, they immediately said, okay, we'll match it? But if it was like 82, 85, 90, they would have said, uh-uh, that's too much money. Freddie, I, I don't think anybody can tell you for sure, except for Garn Pax at this point. What I can tell you is uh, the Bulls have been working through all the scenarios uh, for several months. I mean, the fact that Sacramento made the offer sheet, I can just tell you being here in Vegas was stunning uh-huh. <laughs> to the rest of the league, uh, that that it even had gotten up to that high, that he was able to find an offer sheet worth that much. Uh, I think in the Bulls' mind, they still feel like their cap is in pretty good shape uh, moving forward. Uh, and, you know, they, they're, I guess, willing to roll the dice uh, a little more uh, even if they had to pay a, a couple extra million per year uh, than they they may have liked, and I think that's the the reality. I, you know, I'm just talking to people, a couple people last night. Like uh, it was in the end, it was only a couple million dollars difference uh, from where the Bulls were to where the Kings are to where the Bulls now are again. Uh, but you know, I think part of the reason you saw the answer come down so quickly after. Uh, news broke that that the offer sheet was signed. Is the Bulls understand uh, that there's some some hurt feelings on uh, the Levine side, and he he had those quotes to Mark Spears from the Undefeated, where he said, you know, I, I wish we didn't have to go through this process. I think it just underscores the uncertainty surrounding uh, his future. Because guys, we talk about it in baseball so much with a lot of these Cubs deals. You don't want to pay 
on future performance right. when you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. And, and that's the, the reality of where the Bulls are at. And, and time and, and history will judge uh, how this deal looks uh, through the years, how, how Levine performs. But, uh, you know, this is, this is the cost of, uh, of, of what goes down when you, you're just not sure exactly what, uh, what a player may become. Really quickly, teams in the NBA don't make offers thinking they're not going to get the deal done, do they, just to jack up a guy's price elsewhere? <laughs> yeah, why did Sacramento do this? They must have realized that Pax was going to match it, or maybe they didn't, or were they just trying to mess with Pax? Yeah, I, uh, huh? guys, guys, I there there are all kinds of different uh, all kinds of different uh-huh. stories over the the years in the league about this exact situation. I mean, how much does Vladi Divac, uh you know, want to want to stick it to the Bulls? Uh, we're going to have to ask Vladi out here uh, at some point uh, in the next few days. But yeah, I mean, I think that stuff has happened before, and and I, it was stunning again to all kinds of people around the league. What are the Kings doing? But let's also remember this: the Kings have been really bad for a really long time. Right? Why? Because they make really bad decisions. <laughs> uh, so I think on the surface, a lot of people are going: the Kings are going to pay Levine how much, and where is he going to fit on this team? Uh, and the Bulls, in this case, just weren't the beneficiary of. Uh, of what went down uh, financially. Final minute or two, appreciate our guy Nick Friedel. He's down in Vegas with the NBA Summer League. One more quick uh, follow-up on this topic. Uh, Every expert out there seems like they're never in lockstep, which is great. We know when everyone's saying the same thing. But interesting, uh, Friday uh, on our uh, airwaves here, ESPN 1000, Nick, uh, first of all, Fred referred to uh, Bobby Marks, NBA ESPN expert, saying, I would not match uh you know if levine gets the offer which then he did right yeah, he said he was more of like a 12 to 15 million dollar guy yeah then a little bit later on our airwaves and i can't pronounce gene woj said not, not gene not gene oh, i can pronounce his last woj, name woj yeah that's why i just said gene. there's gene's a different guy oh, okay yeah but this is woj yeah r-e-s-p-n yeah just right. say woj so here's woj and he's on the opposite side of the spectrum he says wait a minute it's going to be a no-brainer my sources tell me the Bulls plan to match that offer sheet. They have until Sunday to do it. Uh, one thing that is <coughs> in that offer sheet um, is some injury protection on that surgically repaired left knee of, of, of Zach Levine's. So essentially, if he suffers another serious injury to that knee, it gives it will give the Bulls, once they match it, um, some financial protection, which is a very team-friendly clause in the deal. Young player, right? He's 23 years old, 17 points per game. And, but the numbers are, I mean, that, that's a big, big deal. Uh, Chicago electing to keep him in the fold there. What was it, four years, roughly $80 four, million? Yeah, four years, $78 million. And, you know, he was the centerpiece of that uh, Jimmy, um, Butler. Jimmy Butler deal. Um, you know, this is a player who at a young age and coming off a severe injury last year, you probably see more of him, more of the uh, real him this year, healthier. Um, it was a no-brainer for the Bulls. They decided within minutes. Right, right. there's Woj twice with the uh, uh, no brainer uh, before we uh, flip to uh, the two kids now at Summer League. It's interesting how everyone looks at it differently. What about a guy like Pax? Do you think he listens a lot to the media? Do you think he's one of these, does, you know, John Paxson, is he the type of guy that listens to Bobby Marks and he listens to Woj and then he picks up a phone and says, hey, Bobby, you were way off. Here's why I did it, do you think? 
Well, here's the key, Murph. I think uh, you know the, there are a lot of people within the organization that uh, that do pay attention, uh, and and this is not just uh, uh, as far as PACs goes. I mean, I think everybody around all these teams, unless you're the Warriors <laughs> and you just keep winning titles, mm-hmm. uh, they're very uh, very cautious of the perception that's out there, and so. You know, I, I didn't agree with the Bulls matching it. I thought it was too much money. Uh, you know, there are lots of people out there that believe you can't let another asset walk for nothing. Uh, it's part of the fun of the league. It's part of why the league is so uh, interesting and, and the ratings are, are so high and the interest level is, is so high at the moment. But, I mean, yeah, I think any team that you're involved with uh, that you spent years of, of your professional life trying to build. I think everybody is uh, very cautious and interested in uh, what's being said about them. And, you know, those people, they're not wrong for that, uh, Murph. That's, that's part of the deal. But, sure. you know, when you, when you make this kind of financial commitment, uh, you're, gonna, you're going to face scrutiny uh, from the fan base, from people within the league, uh, from, from people like myself who cover the team. And the only way to put all this, the, the noise to bed, is for Levine to come out mm. uh, and, and really develop and be a lot better than what he's shown. And maybe he can. Uh, and, and maybe he and the Bulls will be able to get the last laugh. But given what we had seen up to this point, uh, I, I just did not agree with uh, the Bulls matching the sheet that they did. Yeah, the only thing I'd like to hear now, um, if in fact and when the Bulls do match this and Zach Levine sits down, I want to see him say, you know what, this all's forgiven. I got a good deal. Uh, you know, I, I was disappointed at first or whatever, but I'm all in. I don't, you know, him saying and him coming out and saying, well, I'm disappointed I had to go get this deal from somebody else. Hey, there's a lot of reasons you're, you should be disappointed. We're all disappointed with the way you played last year. Huh. So, okay, you're still getting, you know, $19.5 million. So buck up and let's see if you can play the damn game. Right, and Freddie, <laughs> there's the key. I mean, I, you know, I think there are a lot of people that saw those quotes going, whoa, Zach Levine just got paid. Yeah. Congrats to him uh, for, for, for getting the deal that he, that he wanted. I mean, good for him. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, like, there's not going to be too many hurt feelings when he starts seeing those checks get deposited. No. Uh, every couple weeks uh, <laughs> into direct deposits. So uh, those hard feelings, those will pass. Now that it's all on Zach Levine to prove that he is a, a, a difference-making player in this league. And up to this point in time in his career, he has not shown that. Nick Fernell, final thoughts from NBA Summer League coverage down in Las Vegas. All right, so, Wendell, good old number 34, Wendell Carter Jr., good old number 15, Chan, Chandler Hutchinson, uh, quick thumbnail on each as to what will the Bulls brass be looking for, first with uh, uh, Carter. Yeah, with Carter Murphy, you know, they want him to be uh, an offensive presence, and he's going to get a ton of shots a ton of shots out here so long as Antonio Blakeney doesn't take them all <laughs> right <laughs> with uh with this this roster but uh, with Carter they like his offensive game they think he can space the floor a little bit they think he can be uh, that type of offensive presence alongside Markkanen uh that can really help them early he can rebound he can be a big body down uh down low uh, the question is is he ready for uh, and ready to play NBA-style defense on a nightly basis. 
this is a nice first test, but uh, you know, a lot of guys struggle sometimes in the summer league, and they put in more work in the summer, and they come back different players a few months from now. So I'm looking to see how he uh, performs uh, on that defensive front early, and I want to see if he can stretch that things out and, and knock down some shots uh, from all over the place. And what will the Bulls brass be looking at Chandler Hutchinson? Yeah, with, with Hutchinson, he, he's one of those 3 and D guys. I mean, he can handle the ball pretty well. But the, the key for him is he can make shots from the outside. And what have we seen historically the last few years with this team? They really struggle uh, with, with outside shooting. So you bring in a guy that obviously they're very high on, obviously they believe uh, can be a player uh, because <laughs> he's the one that they canceled all his workouts prior to uh, the, the draft process. Right. So, look, if you're the Bulls, this is where you trust the scouting and the work that you put in over the years. Because, guys, the reason they're in the spot that they're in at the moment is the last few years, uh, they just haven't drafted as well as, as they would have hoped. Uh, so now, if they hit on these couple picks, it seems to be that they hit on marketing, uh, they're going to be in good shape and, and uh, in, in good standing for the future. Hey, uh, Nick, great job. Let's bring in uh, Eric Ostrowski, EO11, the uh, Twitter poll question, Nick. Should the Bulls tank again? Not will they. Should they? Uh, I can't wait to hear what the fans have said. Uh, any guests, fellas, uh, before uh, EO comes on? Uh, people love tanking. I'm going to say 80%. Yeah, keep going and keep yeah, going. The, Fred, I can't take Those it. are all the people I don't like. What do you think they're, uh, not your vote, <laughs> what do you think the results will be, Nick Friedel? Oh, man. <laughs> I say... I say probably for the fans, yes. Okay. What do we got, EO? The fans say 71% say yeah. They, they should just the, tank oh, again. Fans 71%. The, fans love the tank. Well, I hope none of them watch the games. Hey, Nick, go cool off in one of the pools out there. Stay out of the sun, 200 degrees in Las Vegas on the concrete. Beautiful day in Chicago. But great report. We'll be following your uh, work uh, throughout the uh, weekend here. Thanks for the up-to-date uh, thoughts and opinions and news on uh, Zach and the little thumbnail there on the two guys. We appreciate your time. You're a busy guy. Thanks a million, Nick. All right, you got it, guys. Have a good one. See you, Nick. Have All fun. Right, Nick. Appreciate it very much. Uh, Fred, I want to get to some White Sox talk. We'll get back to the baseball talk. Let's go to a little White Sox talk first. What okay. Do you, what, do you, what do you say? We're going to talk about Dylan Cease and Louis Versace. Yeah. With black curtains. The station. All right. Both going to the uh, All right. Futures game uh, mm-hmm. next Sunday uh, yes. in Washington, D.C. before the All-Star Week. Mm-hmm. So that'll be fun. Kenny Williams uh, talked to Daryl Van Schoen and uh, maybe some of the other reporters. That's a White Sox, uh, sometimes a, a Sox beat guy. And uh, Kenny, I hadn't heard from him in a while. Didn't seem like we hear from him as much anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, here's what uh, the Sun-Times writes. Williams, comma, a go-for-it GM who oversaw the 2005 World Series uh, season with Rick Hahn as his assistant, said, uh, you know, he prefers a quieter style of leadership these days. As Rick Hahn stands as the face of the rebuild, he dismissed the notion that Hahn... Uh, uh, talked him into the teardown. Uh-huh. Hmm. He says basically, no, no, no one talked me into the teardown. He says, quote, I know what I read. 
Uh, that's funny because we jointly came to a decision to do this, the rebuild, you know, and uh, have been in lockstep the whole way. I find it rejuvenating. I literally can't be more excited about doing this than what I'm doing now. I thought the common uh, thought back a couple years ago was that there was discord uh, at uh, Sox Park. That's what people said. And of the uh, the way it came down that uh, many uh, wrote and thought and opined was that of the three uh, votes, Jerry Reinsdorf, Kenny Williams, and Rick Hahn, two uh, of the three votes wanted to rebuild and one didn't. Uh, no one really knows for sure who cast the vote, but usually if the owner votes no, <laughs> you know, That's it's, what an, happens, it's a uh, no. His vote counts for more. We have to figure Rick Hahn voted yes, but uh, no, Kenny says now... Uh, uh, you know, uh, he dismissed the notion that uh, Han talked him into the teardown. Doesn't really matter now. They're tearing down me. If I'm Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, and I might just say, you know what, Kenny, I, I don't think uh, it's your spot to make these statements anymore. Uh, I let, let Rick uh, talk to the press. Let me talk to the press. But that's just me. You know? Yeah, you know, Kenny said two other things in that that I really liked. One of them was the aim is building a winning culture in a losing environment. And that's not easy. It's really not easy. Uh, you remember how Starlin Castro and uh, Anthony Rizzo complained almost on a game-by-game -game basis when the Cubs were in the midst of their losing. They couldn't stand it. And I know Abreu talked out earlier this year about, you know, suffering and all the losses and everything else. And another thing Kenny Williams said is he said he doesn't want the young players to get used to losing. And that's what aggravates me every single time I hear a White Sox fan or someone that thinks they're a White Sox fan say, well, the White Sox aren't trying to win this year. No, that's not true. The White Sox are putting players on the field trying to win games with what they have on the field. Okay? And uh, losing right now is of no benefit to the White Sox. Losing for uh, Yohan Moncada and Tim Anderson and these guys is not beneficial in any way at all. So, you know, they they did not expect to be this bad this year. There's no doubt in my mind. And the Sun-Times uh, continued on that theme. More losses mean a higher draft pick, but Williams said that's not the aim. Building a winning culture uh, in a losing environment is uh, the goal. I thought a lot of fans uh, want that higher draft pick uh, to tank. Stupid. That's what everyone loves. We just took the vote. I, I, agree I don't with care. You. It's I stupid. Agree with you. They've already got their draft picks. They've got these guys. <laughs> They're in the minors. They're waiting for them to come up. Dylan Cease, Louis Basabi, Zach Collins, uh, Sebi Zavala, you've got Eloy Jimenez, you got uh, Luis Robert, you've got the guys. You've got Kopech. You have uh, Zach Birdie's going to get back from an injury. I mean, you've got tons of people, tons of players out there. And some of them hopefully will work out. You don't, You want to get another draft pick? You're going to get one now already because you're going to be the third, fourth, or fifth worst team in baseball. You'll get a high pick again next year. Should the Bulls tank again? Yes, overwhelmingly. Fans love to tank. Yeah, I'm not, I will. I will. If the day that it's announced that they're <laughs> tanking, I will be the last day I watch a Bulls game. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred. Hey, we're going to visit, miss a little, miss a lot, and more. And our final Twitter poll vote. Stick around. Back in a flash. Vote at ESPN One Thousand. Fred Hubner, a few more minutes to go. Glad you've been with us. All right, uh, let's look at our 11.30 Twitter poll question. Vote right now. You would rather go to a 
baseball day game, or you'd rather go to a baseball night game. That's springboarded onto us because the Cubs are in the midst of a, uh, a tail end of nine consecutive games at Wrigley Field. They're all day games. They have not played a night game at Wrigley yeah. Field since June 19th. Paul Sullivan had a great piece about that. And Sully, you know, he said, uh, we know those days are over, but it sure is nice sometimes to just have the day games. And we all know now with TV and more TVs in use at night. So night games are always going to be prevalent and the more they can get the more they'll want and that's fine if it uh results in you know winning and postseason victories so it's just sort of nice for a change to sort of reminisce about a bunch of day games in a row but i want to hear from you would you rather go to a day game and doesn't have to be Wrigley Field be anywhere i love day game middays at Sox Park we've talked about for years i have that hey Brooks Boyer you know what? Every Wednesday in the summer or every Tuesday, you know, Thursday. How about day game Thursday or day game Wednesday all summer long? But uh, that's okay. I'm just a fan. What do I know? Well, and the other thing, too, is, and yeah. I don't quite understand the whole thing. Maybe you can explain it to me. But the Cubs have, I think, 34 night games scheduled. They have uh, 14, 15, uh, four, was it 15 or 17 more day games coming up this year. Hmm. They've played 14, so it'll be right around 30-something. They're allowed 35, I believe, by agreement. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Uh, a Cub fan texted, and they said, well, what about those 10 nights they have for concerts? Can't, can't those be used for baseball games? You would think so. Yeah, it's because a, they're using the facility I don't know for the evening. I'm not sure it's 10, but whatever. It's close. Well, okay. Yeah, it's pretty close. That's a separate negotiation, okay. and I'm sure that there's money exchanged for the public. I actually good. believe that was all built in one. They had X amount of nights where they could have events at Wrigley, and they chose to do the concerts as well. I believe it was like 45 nights they were allowed to have events at Wrigley. Mm, really? I believe, yes. So, uh, mm, and, and okay. one other thing about uh, Paul Thanks, Sullivan. Eric. I love Paul Sullivan, but I'd like him to stay out of White Sox business. Well, he's, a, he's not a Cubs or Sox beat. He's an international guy. I know, but I'm I'm getting tired of I'm getting tired of reading Paul's headlines, uh-huh. not his articles. I enjoy the yeah. articles, no. but the headline. And I know writers usually don't put the headlines in. But if I read one more headline, like the one that's in today's paper, the headline in th- the Tribune today on the White Sox: painful process goes on for the White Sox. I know that <laughs> you don't have to keep reminding everybody. Okay, we understand. Nobody expects it to be good this year. Astros, I don't need to know. Astros went through similar paths before finding a winning stride. Now, you know, the editor might say, hey, Paul, here's your assignment. Go write about the uh, painful process going on. Yeah, I don't need to hear that in the headlines anymore. I understand the Astros in 2011 lost 106 and 107 in 2012. Right. In 2013, they lost 111. I know that. Might be the editor told him to do it and the headline writer, like you alluded to, wrote it. I predict <laughs> the White Sox will not lose. Say it like you mean it. A hundred games more than once. The players... Love day games, especially when they're strung together. Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo, a regular once a week on the cap show. This way, Riz, what about those day games? I'll be honest, I, I I want more day games. I love the day games here in Wrigley. Day games on the road aren't aren't that much fun because you go back to the hotel and sit around. But uh, this is home for for us during the season, and uh, you know the more the more one twenty starts, the better. You get to the ballpark, you do your work, you play baseball get to go have a nice dinner with your family or friends or relax. This is kind of the peak for Wrigley Field, you know, July 4th, these two games, uh, summertime, beautiful weather. It really doesn't get much better. I, I, I would love, I mean, 
Joe Madden wants night games. Well, Joe, Joe Madden is the exact like, opposite. Yeah, Joe Madden would like to play every night game, but he what Joe Madden says make no, makes no sense. Joe wants to go get his pick his cleaning up. Yeah, you think Joe really goes down the elevator and picks up his cleaning? He can maybe, do that maybe. at any hour. Maybe. He can do that at any hour. Yeah. What Rizzo said was right. Sure, you get out, the game's over. You uh-huh. go on out to dinner. You you have you know go out and see some friends, do some other stuff. You still get in bed in time. A normal life. Yeah, you have a normal yeah. life if you have day games. Yeah, but. TV brings in more money for night games, more eyeballs. If I in. hate that everything revolves around money. <laughs> if you're heading out to the ballpark, damn money. Cubs uh, betting order is Zobrist, Hayward, Baez, Rizzo, Hap, Schwarber, Victor Caratini, Russell, and Chatwood with Baez at uh, second and uh, Happer, the Happer over at uh, third base. Okay, we got to look at this now, okay? Matt yeah. Harvey is pitching today. Mm-hmm. And we could probably go back and find the uh, lineup that, that Joe used in Cincinnati with Matt Harvey on the mound. But Matt Harvey's a right-handed pitcher. Mm-hmm. He's got Zobras from the left side, Hayward from the left side, Baez righty, Rizzo lefty, Hap lefty from the right side, Schwarber lefty, Caratini is left. lefty. Switcher, yeah. Right? And then you got Russell and Chatwood. That is left-handed. He's lineup loaded in there. right now. His bench yeah. is Almora, Bodie, Contreras, and another lefty, Tommy Lastella, who continues to hit the catcher's glove. It's amazing three. that he does that. At least three, if not more. He's got three this year. It's catch, amazing catcher interference. Yeah, it's amazing he does that. It's got to be something he does in his swing in order for it to hit it. Well, because I can't believe the catcher just when Lastella's at bat gets a little bit closer to the plate. And the Reds' bullpen, not that I'm an expert on the Reds' bullpen, but Iglesias, I think, has thrown two days in a row, so you probably won't see him today. They have that big lefty. He looks like Geraldus uh, Chapman, sort of. Yeah. So uh, uh, they have a, a few uh, righties on the bench there. That's the guy they almost got into a run-in with. Didn't he throw exactly hit somebody right. earlier? Yeah. That's exactly right. Hey, vote right now. Would you rather go to a day game or a night game? Hey, Fred, there's so much good stuff during the week. I call it Miss a Little. Miss a lot. And uh, let's go to uh, AELM. Give me a little music there for Miss a Little, Miss a Lot. Get me in the mood here, would you? Got some sound bites that occurred during the week. Uh, now, here's one. This is uh, you, Fred, and uh, Miller. And uh, you guys started talking uh, somehow. All of a sudden, you landed on Elmora, uh-huh. you know, out in center field. And I always say this about Baez. Baez makes the tough plays look easy, but he makes the easy plays look hard. It's, yes. it's a compliment, if you uh-huh. know what I mean. But uh, you were talking about Al Mora, who's been just spectacular out in center field. But uh, let's eavesdrop on, uh, on you and Meller. See, defensively, he makes some great plays. I do think he's... And he, a, make, and he makes some plays look even better. That's the thing. is He's a little <laughs> bit overrated in the sense that, he, you know, when he goes out diving for catches that some guys might not have to dive for. Yeah. All right, now... I've been thinking about this. Uh-huh. Okay, remember back in the day when they would... EO11, you go back far enough, there was an old expression, two hands for beginners. You ever hear that one? If you're like out playing Little League, you're in the outfield, and when the fly ball... Yeah, went, you just you just preach two hands, basically. Is yeah, I, mean, yeah. I never uh-huh. heard for beginners. I uh, always yeah, I just heard two always hands. Use, I, we still yell that at our buddies in softball who tend right. to miss the ball a lot. So. Right. <laughs> well, this is, for me, back to Little League days at uh, uh, LaGrange Park Little League. Two hands for beginners. Now, in the last 10, 20 years, you don't see anyone in baseball, really, make the outfield catch unless there's something weird going on with two hands. No, almost never. I got a couple buddies of mine. They said, oh, my God, these outfielders use two hands. Well, here's what happened. 
about 20 years ago, the outfielder's glove in baseball became as big as a bread basket. Correct. And became yeah. so sophisticated that, now listen to this, it is now counterproductive in the big leagues, at least, to use two hands because your your bare hand, your meat hand, can actually bollocks up the situation and get in the way. This is what big league people have told me when I've asked them. They go, no, no, no. We don't want them using the second hand now in the minors outfield. It's easier, just telling you what they say, to use just one hand. Get get someone from Wilson on the phone. Right, I feel like that's completely false. Like, you get the ball <laughs> in quicker when you catch it with two hands. You secure a ball if it's bobbling. If it's a snow cone, you could secure it easier. All that's right. I feel like All that's right. completely off base. Okay. Good Those enough. damn baseball Good players enough. don't know what they're talking now, about. Let's go back to El Mora, mm-hmm. who dives a lot. And yes, I can tell, uh, Fred, uh, you were sort of damning with faint praise, as uh-huh. Dan Jiggins used to say. Uh, I think he's a tremendous center fielder. No, I know. Yeah. I think he gets to more balls than most center fielders do. I love the way he gets there. But, and I love when he slides when he has to. Okay. Now, that's what we're leading up to. Uh-huh. I remember, of course, Alfonso Soriano. He had played second base all his life, and then he gets to the Cubs, they put him in left field. Right. And people hated him because he wasn't hitting, and, you know, yeah. he pulled a hammy. Until he threw a guy out at the plate every other game. <laughs> but every time the fly ball would come to him, remember what would happen? He'd, he'd sort of ease he'd over, and he'd hop. Yeah. And it infuriated people. Uh-huh. I never talked to him. I never. Here's why I think he was doing it. Have you ever heard outfielders say, when I'm running for the ball, in the gap, your eyes bounce, bounce. Your head up bounces, and down. Yeah. Okay. Now, Soriano had never played left field. So I always felt the reason he did that hop was as he, you know, going to his left a little bit, couple steps or running, whatever. The eyes will bounce. The eyes will bounce, which means the, the ball's coming to you sort of like it's jumping up and down on you, right? When he hopped, this is just me, I always felt he hopped because it took... Your feet pounding down and your eyes bouncing, maybe out of it a little bit, where when you then do the jump, your eyes aren't bouncing and it's easier to catch. I don't know. But let's go to Elmora now. Okay. If that were true, and again, I, maybe it's maybe Elmora is actually making the play and these guys now, they all dive for a ball that in the old days, you used to run through it, run as through they it. would say. That's right. Jimmy used to tell us that all the time. But, Our good good friend Jimmy Pearsall. But then your eyes will bounce. Uh-huh. Maybe, I'm not, you know, could it be that when you dive through the air like Superman or like Elmora does, it's easier on your eyes bouncing up and down and the ball not jumping up and down as running straight through and your feet on your balls, your feet, you're running through, you're running through, your head's going up and down. I'm just asking, well, maybe not, it's easier yeah. to dive for the ball that used to be, you know, two hands for beginners, now it's one hand. But that's not what I'm, I'm not criticizing him ever for diving when he's diving flat out. All right. I'm criticizing him for when he's diving and he catches the ball waist high and he just dives for no slides basically slides for no apparent reason uh, so you're saying he slides after he catches after he it, catches the ball as and it makes it look even like a better catch to prior to the catch he has seen right he has seen <laughs> what tremendous defensive plays 
the the number the amount of uh, pu- you know publicity yeah. that one Javi Baez gets for tremendous plays at second base. All right. So he figures, you know what? I can, I got this, no problem. But you know, if I slide, it's going to look even more cool. Hey, vote he's still right. a young guy, and like I said, <laughs> I think he's a couple. I think he's an all star. He should be in the all star team. So it's nothing against Albert Amora. I just don't think he needs to slide as much as he does. I like that catch he does about belt tie you were talking about, where he casually has the belt uh, buckle catch right there. A side yeah. side pocket, rather right. catch. That's what he does. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Willie Mays already stole the, already patented the basket catch, so he maybe figured I'm going to have my own. Hey, vote now, last chance. Well, he's got a shoulder catch. He catches along the shoulder yeah. for some Sometimes weird reason. Sometimes it's even lower by yeah, the I know. ribs. I know. And once in a while, it'll be down by the belt. Yep. Vote now. You'd rather go to a day game or a night game? Can't wait to see the results when we return. Murph and Fred voted ESPN 1000. Quick thoughts in my fantasy. I'm in a keeper baseball fantasy league. You know, uh-huh. no one cares except uh, me. But uh, I grabbed uh, Avi Garcia, sort of middle late. You know, and I thought his, then he's then he's been hurt. He's been hurt so much I this year. Got yeah. a keeper league. We have this thing here. We love our sponsors, uh, White Sox Minute. Here was a, a few seconds the other day. I heard of uh, uh, Jason Benetti on Avi. This is your White Sox Minute. Right. I'm Jason Benetti. Hey, Jason. For two months, mm-hmm. the Sox were without Avisail Garcia. First, with a hamstring injury, then a knee. Uh. Now fully healthy, Avi just keeps on hitting. He had a hustle-double mid-game last night in Cincinnati and pushed his hit streak to 14 games, the longest of the season for the Sox and the longest current hit streak in the majors. Since he got off uh. the disabled list, Avi's 20 for 55, 364 average, 818 slugging percentage, three doubles, two triples, six home runs, an OPS of 1204. I thought I had money in the bank with another homer last night. Yeah, he's got seven homers in 11 games. He also went over to the uh, right field line to catch a high Uh, pop-up and uh, and went behind him. That's no good. For a double. I know, he misjudged it. Mm -hmm. It didn't look good. But our 930 Twitter poll result, uh, what was it again? Now, back at 9.30, did the White Sox wait too long to trade Avi Garcia, yes or no? What the fans say? We skipped that back and all the Bulls talk earlier. Aaron? 64% of the voters say that, yeah, the White Sox waited too long. Now, that could be tainted with some Cub fans just trying to uh, rain on the parade. But uh, you know what? Now he's got the leg is still suspect. There was nowhere to, you, you couldn't move him when he was hurt. No, so. no, but... Maybe last winter, but yeah, whatever. I don't think so. Hey, I want to say hi to all the guys that I ran into yesterday. Uh, it was a perfect Friday. I was home around four o'clock. I said, you know, this is perfect. So I ran over to Black Horizon Brewing in Willowbrook and I ran over to Skeleton Key Brewing in uh, Woodridge and uh, enjoyed um, yes. several beers. Very cool. Yes, it was wonderful. <laughs> Samples, never too much. So uh, Rizzo loves day games. We heard that sound bite earlier. And uh, Joe Madden, as you pointed out, Fred, he'd rather, you know. He wants to play every game at night. He'd yeah, like to play at midnight. He, he must go care. pick up his cleaning every yeah, day. Oh, I don't know. no, I got a regular regular life during the day. Oh, wait a minute. Most people, regular life is you work during the day. And, right. then, you, and you pick up your cleaning. But the last Twitter poll, can't wait to hear the results. Would you rather go to a day game or a night game? Here we are, EO11, what the fans say. 
It's pretty tight. 57% of the voters say they'd rather go to a day game. Sure. Yep. Who wouldn't? Yep. But the tough part is, like you said, people are working in the, during the day. It's tough. I know. I would have liked to have gone to a daytime thoroughbred racing. I had to go to school. So I went to nighttime harness racing growing up at Sportsman's. Yeah, and then you'd win and try to collect a ticket. And as I've heard, you always say, hey, they'd say, are you old enough to, to bet here and collect this money? You go, same age as when you sold me the ticket. Exactly. And then they would just put their head down and say, here's your money, sir. I want to thank our guest, Jesse Rogers, little guy, and a little trick with Nick Friedel from Las Vegas breaking down the bulls. So uh, thanks, guys. Uh, Eric Ostrowski, all of his help. He'll be with me when I'm with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah tomorrow. We'll talk NBA free agency. We'll talk uh, Cubs baseball. We'll talk with Paul Tenorio from The Athletic about the World Cup. The semis coming up Tuesday and Wednesday. And if you're heading out to Wrigley Field, beautiful weather down near the lake. Wind uh, about half of yesterday, about uh, 9, 10 miles an hour, not the 18, 20. So uh, beautiful day. Cubs need a win. Everyone's freaking out. They can't beat the Reds. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.